Welcome to episode 120 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the hot enough for you edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here today with my co-host as always, Joshua Fun. What's going on, brother? I'm doing great, Phil. You know, had a great week and everything. Um, great Father's Day and uh, celebration of that. Of course, uh, we've got a lot to talk about, though. F1 Canadian Grand Prix, trucks at Knoxville. Um, a lot of stuff that happened this week. I'm glad that you know, we kind of delayed the recording, I guess, um, to catch up on all the news, of course, um, and everything. So you know, glad to be on and, of course, glad to have our friend Joe back on uh, again with us. And our returning guest, a regular contributor to us, a guy who now gets to say he works at a cool speedway, one of the best uh, racetracks that exists, uh, New Egypt Speedway, uh, amongst his many other jobs that he does. Uh, writer for Fanside and Beyond the Flag, Joe Passero is back. So we have two Dale Earnhardt Jr. fans on yet again, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is back to yell, Slide job! Or whatever. They won't do slide jobs at Nashville, but maybe they will with the Gen 6, Gen 7 car. What's going on, Joe? I don't know. I'll tell you what, I was uh, in preparation because I don't remember the Nashville race too well from last year. I actually watched the race last night over again. And I'll tell you, I think with this next-gen car, there may be room for some slide jobs tomorrow. But uh, it's good to be back. Thank you guys for having me on. I've got some new equipment, so hopefully everybody's hearing me okay. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about. A lot even just happening in the past few hours with contract extensions. A lot of news this week. And uh, I know we'll get into that, so I'm not going to start that now. But thanks again for having me on. It's always fun coming and uh, getting to talk with you guys about racing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean been a weird uh, week in other areas of uh, life but in regards to what we're dealing with right now we're just talking about we're gonna you know stay in what makes us all happy and i think for a lot of people that want to listen they just want to be happy and just get away that's what we'll do we'll talk about racing you may get to hear me lose my crap um if the colorado avalanche win the stanley cup it won't be i don't think we're gonna be on that long I, I, we're liable to. We have done long episodes, the three of us together. So it's possible you can see me lose my crap um, if the Colorado Avalanche somehow or another pick up the, the their first Stanley Cup in 21 years. I was a young kid. It was a lifetime ago back then um, when they won it the last time. So um, it would be cool if that happens. We'll give you a little live updates on the truck race once I can go and um, change a channel here. But uh Thanks for coming on, Joe, as always. Um, now you're working at New Egypt Speedway, so that's cool. So uh, getting to see the Pouch family and some of the other great um, racers from the state of New Jersey going and plying their trade on dirt. Uh, it's funny that I literally work with somebody that is right basically around the corner from the old Flemington Speedway, and they still have the shed there, um, but it's a Lowe's. And it's sad. Uh, so it's like, it's kind of depressing uh, what's happened to all racetracks. I mean, they took away one of the greatest drag strips ever and made it. I mean, you know, I, my friend Keith loves drifting and it, they're cool, but I'd rather see a car go 330 miles an hour instead of tire. And they smoke t- their tires too, um, but they go really, really fast. Um, so I miss that. Yeah, she ain't a bad looking woman. Um, and her hair is the same color as a Colorado Colorado uniforms. Well, that's something. Um, so we'll get we'll get into Formula One, of course. Um, Fish Lips took yet another win, but it wasn't as straightforward as it has been for him. Uh, Carlos Sainz and Sir Lewis Hamilton had a chance uh, there late. We had some other things go on, other key news items that came out of the Canadian Grand Prix. And next week, we'll get into 
the uh, British Grand Prix uh, more in detail. Todd Gilliland driving for his dad, who they spelled his name wrong on the broadcast, which is great. Um, amongst the many great things they did with that broadcast, since they had the bright idea of giving Jamie Little um, the lead announcer role, um, that was that must have really taken a lot of thought. Um, I mean, they should have heard Chris Devota doing the Arca race with Trado or whatever at Iowa, and it, they started that race like four hours late. And the two of them actually had a good chemistry. And then they had Dave Reef. I forget who was on pit. Oh, no, they had Mike Massaro on pit road. I'm like, holy crap. It's like backwards NBC time going on here. And it's like, wow, we have professionals doing it. It's not Jamie Little. It's not freaking, uh, what's that idiot? Bob Vince Welsh. Oh, yeah, and Vince Welsh. They're, they're, the tri- they're, the, they're the triple threat of suck, those three. They're just like some of these um, hack journos, too, that, that sucked the teat of everybody in NASCAR, and we can't even call the call call it call a spade a spade when real crap is happening. But uh, it's kind of like with all, I mean, there's a little bull crap with like golf too. I mean, and that was a good golf tournament. The U.S. Open was great. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick won that one. It was a little carnage golf, but you know it got really good on at the end there on Sunday. Um, we'll talk about the passing of Bruton Smith. Other news: Joe, of course, is connected. On the in the NASCAR world deeply, um, we'll get into supercars at Darwin, uh, SRX at Five Flags in South last week, which saw Elio Castro Dash Neves win, um, and likely get a ride in Dale's 91 car for next year's Daytona 500. If Donald Hawk has anything to do with it, and a, a, a guy who also worked for Bruton Smith for many years, um, we'll get into MotoGP. Talk about the six hours at the Glen, one of the biggest uh, sports car races in, in the world. And hopefully I'll do my best to get there next year because there's going to be so many cool cars, including the Porsche 963. Talk about Rally Kenya and then uh, in the roundup, all that. And then we'll get into the triple header at Nashville Super Speedway. NBC comes back to cover the rest of the Xfinity and Cup season. They had practice today, so they were on. Um, you saw Dale Earnhardt Jr. posting on his Insta. After going and testing Josh Berry's late model at uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway, probably in preparation to go and drive uh, a race later this summer, uh, it sounds like he was hinting at it on his show. So I don't think I'm going out of saying anything out of song. And uh, Josh will talk about Sim uh, Sim Scene. I know in Gran Turismo, based on Super GT, that uh, Watkins Glen's on the game. So that's pretty cool. And then there's a couple other things of Formula One 2022 and certain other things on iRacing. We'll close this deal out. So uh, start with Formula One, though. Uh, Max Verstappen gets yet another win. Um, it wasn't as straightforward uh, as it. Uh, wow. Baba actually led practice. Christ. OK. Um, uh, they were um, he had to work for it there at the end saw um, Carlos Sainz trying to pass him, but he really had nothing there. The DRS, the even with the power of the DRS, the Red Bull's uh, ability, Josh, to get off the corners was too powerful. Their engine, I think, may have a little bit more power. You can make the notion that after the Ferrari issues that we've seen, maybe they have to turn them down a notch. Of course, trying to save your components um, that played a role in, in Charles Leclerc's race because he had to start tailback um, 
because of having to take a bunch of uh, power unit components and um, came all the way back, finishing the top five, which was a solid run for him. Uh, you know, just uh, I mean, Verstappen, it's his fifth win in six races, and it's his sixth win of the year out of nine races. So he's trying to do like the, you know, the, what do you call Michael Schumacher, you know, Lewis Hamilton win like 12, 13 races kind of deal this year and win this world championship to put it to rest that he actually is a legitimate champion, which whatever, um, he can do whatever he wants. He's still a ball licker, but, um, he won, uh, by less than a second over Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz made a mistake, uh, trying to go into the hairpin there on a the last lap, I think, or the next last lap lost DRS and it kind of basically sealed it. Um, Lewis Hamilton, Sir Lewis Hamilton, finished seven seconds behind, gets his first podium since Bahrain, uh, was the happiest he's been all year. For the first time all year, the Mercedes didn't look like a piece of trash. Um, George Russell gets yet another top five finish. Charles Leclerc, as I mentioned, finished top five after starting 19th. Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guan Yu, Fernando Alonso, and Lance Stroll uh, round out the points finishers. Stroll from 17th to 10th. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, I don't know. I mean, Josh, if you, or, I mean, Joe, if you have anything to add, of course, let me know. But, um, Josh, it, I think it was a pretty solid race. I, I actually didn't mind it because they were actually showing some of the battles that were going on behind. Uh, Verstappen. The tire strategy also played a key, which also played a role for Lewis, I think, in what ended up happening as uh, giving him a podium finish there as well, with him and Verstappen pitting early um, relative to some of the other teams. I mean, it was a a very interesting race, of course, with um, Verstappen going, having to really defend the lead towards the end. I mean, I think, for me, I I thought that Carlos Sainz might have an advantage, especially with uh, having fresher tires at the end after taking advantage of the virtual safety car to go and uh, pick up tires on the fresh hard tires uh, over uh, Verstappen. And I, I thought maybe that Verstappen, you know, take a couple laps and it would overtake uh, Verstappen and, and, you know, take the win, but it never really worked out like that. Um, it could only get within like um, less than half a second, just under less than half a second up to uh, uh, Verstappen. And I think, it was basically just a matter of being able to get off the um, the corners uh, as well as the Red Bull. And that seems to be the advantage, especially with, with power. And I think even with, um, you know, their chassis and uh, suspension, um, seems like they have an advantage there. Uh, seemed like for Carlos Sainz, you'd have to be able to get off of turn 10 really well and then get the DRS down the, the straight going into turn, uh, you know, 11 and 12 and 13 and being able to, uh, you know, go through uh, circuit all the way down to, you know, turn one. And it seemed like um, once, you know, once you got through those set of turns and you have the S's through three and four, five and six, seven, eight, and nine, it seemed like um, Carlos Sainz maybe was trying a little bit too hard through those corners. And that seemed like where he was losing a lot of kind of his momentum that he'd have to make it back up in the hairpin in turn 10 uh, and then get, you know, get down, uh, there and get the DRS, and that's kind of what he was fighting with in that last, uh, you know, 16 laps or so of that race after uh, this the virtual safety car. So um, if if he had been able to, you know, get through those corners well, I think maybe we could have seen a pass through the lead uh, within that last uh, green flag stint 
uh, and uh, the Formula One Grand Prix of uh, Canada. So it would have been interesting, but nonetheless, it does show the power advantage and maybe the chassis advantage that Red Bull has currently over Ferrari. Um, and certainly um, what, you know, Max Verstappen's driving talent, being able to drive defensively uh, when needed, uh, you know, at the end. So, but that, yeah, definitely a, a challenging race for him because, you know, he led the first eight laps for Verstappen and then they went and took their first pit stop and that allowed Carlos Sainz to go ahead and take the lead. And then he held the lead, you know, for 17 laps. And then eventually after, you know, pit stops and everything, we saw Verstappen take the lead back and basically hold on to the lead for the rest of the race. So it was basically a fight, but, you know, he did have to earn it. So it wasn't like he totally ran away with it for Verstappen there. Um, I think for me, maybe the surprise of the race was Fernando Alonso, you know, having a good weekend, qualifying uh, second. He was one of the fastest cars um, in P3 uh, practice, you know, third practice session of the weekend. So uh, I think that was uh, definitely shocking to see. And then um, he was up front for, you know, the first, you know, quarter of the race. And then I think, you know, they kind of went different on their strategy compared to the rest of the field. And uh, I think, you know, they probably delayed their pit stop uh, a little too soon compared to Verstappen and signs. And that, you know, led to their kind of dropping in position throughout the rest of the field. And then, you know, towards the end, Alonso had those engine issues with, um, you know, his car. So didn't really uh, get the finish that maybe he was looking for, but, you know, still ended up remaining in the points uh, to, you know, end the weekend. So not a bad weekend for Alonso, although it does show the, maybe the improvements that, you know, that uh, Alpine has been making, uh, you know, throughout the season. So we could see um, potential, you know, potential more uh, finishes like that races weekends like that for Alonzo and the Alpine team. So uh, yeah, definitely a fairly entertaining Grand Prix for sure. Uh, especially at this uh, track circuit Gills uh, Villeneuve. Yeah. To have the circuit Gilles Villeneuve back on the, um, on the calendar for the first time in three years because of the pandemic, uh, the fans showed up in droves. They sat there and wet. They sat there and dry. Like it was just a great, um, weekend. It's a track that should be holding more than one race a year. Honestly, um, I'm talking to you, NASCAR. I'm talking to you, IndyCar. Um, it's uh, a great place. I mean, hell, uh, if IMSA had or like the World Endurance Championship, I would sign to watch like a eight hour or six hour enduro there because it's hard braking. You have lots of generation. It's tight. You have to work hard there. Traffic would be interesting as well um at that track but um yeah Alonzo did qualify well but in the end uh their strategy wasn't exactly the best didn't work out too well for them and then he ended up finishing behind his own teammate uh which is crazy to think uh Ocon started seventh but Ocon had a strong enough weekend they their Alpine is a team that's kind of had their moments have underperformed in certain ways, but in other ways, I think they're doing okay. So it's like, it's weird because they're in the same boat as McLaren right now. Uh, you know, the top two teams are pretty set in stone with, uh, with, uh, Red Bull and Ferrari. Um, Sergio Perez, of course, falls out of the race very early, conveniently, just as he gets close to Max Verstappen. uh, last two races, um, all of a sudden he was right there points wise. And then, uh, tell him to pull over and then um and then they go and tell him to uh and then they go and give him a bogey engine or doing him like Mark Webber um conveniently here uh to protect Max Verstappen of course and his fragile ego um but people who want to talk about fragile egos well 
Sir Lewis Hamilton was not happy during practice on Friday. Um, they didn't have the fastest car by any means, but the rain um, presented an opportunity for the guy who has won at at Montreal uh, seven times, tying him with uh, Michael Schumacher. Won his first career race there. Um, one of his best racetracks qualifies fourth in the rain, and then solid start holds his position, takes a similar strategy to Max Verstappen, and with that restart, the safety car restart um, after Yuki Sonoda crashed coming out of the pits, he was staying with those top two guys. It initially for about I think about four laps, five laps he was there, and then slowly but surely he lost time, lost time, but he was in his own world. But he finally was up there. And you could tell the joy he had and the happiness he had because he actually had a car for the first time this year to compete with. And George Russell did George Russell things, um, struggled in qualifying, but made up for it in a race. Uh, so honestly, I think we'll get more into it for the British Grand Prix preview um, next uh, next episode, 121. We'll get into Mercedes more. Um, and Alfa Romeo getting a double win finish, big deal for them. Uh considering where they were the last couple of years. Uh, this combination of Valtteri Botas and Joe Guan Yu seems to be very solid. Um, Valtteri Botas seems rejuvenated. He seems like a whole different guy. And then Joe Guan Yu has been very, very solid, um, you know, and, and he's just doing what he has to do. And that's a team that some of these cost cuts and things are going to help. Um, on the flip side of that, you have the Haas team, who um, Kevin Magnuson qualified fifth best qualifying run ever by the Haas F1 team. He had a broken wing, I think, on the start. He got into somebody, and then they gave him a penalty flag or whatever where he had to go and pit the car, and that ruined his race. And then at the same time, Mick Schumacher was running up front or relatively up front had a chance, probably would have had a chance for points. Um, his engine quits because it's Mick Schumacher. Bad things happen to him. Like he has a cartoon anvil over his head. Um, so it was a nightmare scenario for Haas F1 at uh, Montreal um, looking for a recovery this next race. Um, the, the McLarens had a nightmare weekend. Neither scored points. Um you look at Vettel, had a brutal weekend. Albon could advance because his car's a piece of trash. Uh, so, I mean, we'll get more into it next uh, episode for sure uh, in regards to Formula One and what we uh, should expect going into the uh, British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Um, let's, uh, I mean, there's also the news of, um, before we move on, I know that uh, Pierre Gasly signed an extension to stay for another year at, at AlphaTauri. Um, he's, um, which I mean, is not surprising because there isn't a seat at Alpine and which leads into the Oscar Piastri thing, Josh, where we still don't know who's going to be driving the second Williams at Silverstone. All signs are, um, I would think going towards, if not there at France, uh, Oscar Piastri getting into formula one for the rest of this season. At least we may not, it may not be for 2023, because, of course, Williams has plenty of development drivers of their own, uh, like Logan Sargent. Um, so we'll see about what happens with that. But, yeah, I mean, those two new stories are not really shocking relative to what the grid is looking like at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's not really shocking. I, th I think Gasly's probably going to end up being, I guess, I don't want to say stuck. It's maybe not the right word to use, but certainly it looks like he's going to be staying there for a longer time. And people talk about, 
you know, where is he going to end up beyond AlphaTauri? Because I still, I think, and a lot of people still think AlphaTauri is kind of like the little brother to uh, Red Bull, even though they are an independent team. Uh, It's kind of meant to be a a developmental team. So there's, you know, a lot of different things that uh, could happen. And you have to look to uh, 2024 to see what happens there. Does a a seat open up at uh, Alpine? You know, does uh, Fernando Alonso stay there another year or, um, does he end up leaving that team at the end of this year? He's only on a, a two-year two deal, um, and whoever replaces him, like you said, with uh, Piastri p- possibly uh, replacing Fernando Alonso, or you know, in 2024, uh, for example, with um, you know Red Bull, um, does a I mean potentially a seat open up there? Sergio Perez a seat possibly if he uh, isn't retained beyond 2023, but uh, certainly could uh, you know impact. Uh, rest of the field and um i think for uh pierre gasly i think he's gonna have to just continue to um bring on solid finishes and just uh, show he can be a solid asset to any team and in the meantime you know continue to be the best uh driver out of the uh out of the alpha uh stable so we'll see what happens but um i think looking like for now uh at least that team seems to be kind of uh staying the same uh, at least for the next year I mean, I think the second AlphaTauri seat might be in question, depending on what happens in Formula 2. Um, if a Red Bull guy can somehow or another come back around and pass uh, Felipe Drogovic. But likely scenario is Yuki gets another year. Um, right now, the grid is pretty much set up, it looks like, for next year. Um, there are no, I, other than the McLaren seat for Daniel Ricciardo, and, um, I mean, maybe Fernando Alonso, but I don't think so. And then Williams and, you know, Aston Martin, if, uh, Sebastian Vettel decides to quit, um, some of the lower teams probably have a seat that might be open. Oh, that's a penalty. Um, they didn't call it though. Um, there, so we'll get, we'll see what happens. I mean, we're getting close to that, um, summer break. We're about a month or so away from that. So, um, some of that news will be coming out fast and furious for sure. Let's switch gears, get Joe in. Uh, he's waited patiently. So thank you for that. Been watching the truck race and give us an update. I'll throw to you first. Um, it is live. We're doing, uh, the show during the truck race, uh, at Nashville. Jack would already, um, uh, wrecked himself. So, um, congrats to him for participating. He's doing what he usually does, um, which is wreck and be useless. Um, so, um, any, uh, in regards to last weekend's race, which was also pretty useless, uh, the, um, the race at, Na- uh, at Knoxville Raceway, where the Knoxville Nationals, of course, takes place, uh, saw Todd Gilland win in his dad's truck officially, even though I, I, I contend that the front row motorsports truck is essentially a David Gilliland racing truck too, but whatever. I don't know. I can't find, I don't have the time to go and look at the logistics of where the truck is located, who's working on it, what shop it's in. It's entirely possible. Bob Jenkins has enough room to have a truck team there and they farm out certain stuff to DGR and they get the rest of it in. I don't know. Um, The connection between David Gilliland and Bob Jenkins has gone on for many, many years. Um, but Todd Gilland, I would say, of course, now he's a rookie in the cup series, uh, uh, had a, has had a rough, um, beginning, of course. I think it's a, a bad case, you know, having to jump into a brand new formula, 
um, team trying to go and they've they've been switching all kinds of stuff year after year with drivers and crew chiefs and whatever. I think there's going to be a fight there. Um, got a broken stick. Yeah, that's a delayed penalty on Tampa. Yeah, there definitely was a something going on there. Uh, and now they're throwing another stick. Yeah, there you go. So that should be another penalty. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, Todd Gilliland goes and wins over John Hunter Nemechek. They were the two of the three dominant vehicles. Carson Hosevar, uh, of course, runs up front and has a chance, but then um, but ends up uh, blowing an engine. Uh, driving around with a broken leg and all that stuff, um, proven once again how he's um, he's that next big thing. I think one of the next big guys that's going to go and win a race, but um, maybe it'll be tonight. But I'll throw to you, Joe. Um, I know you were busy uh, doing other things, but since you're our NASCAR expert, uh, our hired hand, even though Josh, of course, still is more into it. Um, and I still have my, of course, Chase Briscoe and Josh Berry fandom. Um, yeah, Gillen gets a win for DGR, proving it isn't the vehicles that are the issue for Haley Deegan. It's Haley Deegan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but the people that are up front, John Hunter, Zane Smith, those are two of the championship guys right now in the point standings. It's, it's a consolidation race. You know, when you're talking about dirt, Guys like that are not, they're not theoretically dirt racers. Ben Rhodes had a rough night. Um, you know, Chandler Smith, There, you got four guys within 14 points. It's a very intriguing points battle. Uh, it might be the most intriguing points battle, honestly, amongst the, the series right now. Um, and their playoffs aren't far away. Yeah, they've only got six races, right? Uh, Cup's got 10. I believe Xfinity might have eight or nine. So, you know, for the trucks, they don't have a lot of opportunities. If you're outside of the top 10, uh, you better try and find your way into victory lane and try to secure a place in that 10-car playoffs, right? And the trucks, it's only 10 trucks that make it. It's not like Cup where you have 16 out of the 36 regular charter teams that show up on a week-to-week make the playoffs. This is a much smaller field. Um, you know, in regards to last week's race, um, I always say, um, I usually keep an open mind when the trucks or Xfinity or Cup goes to uh, a brand new racetrack. They did that last year by going to Knoxville. And, um, you know, last year's Knoxville race, I think there were uh, some strong reactions to a lot of people didn't seem to particularly enjoy it. Um, I think, though, that the race itself was just uh, it was because there were so many cautions. And right when you when you constantly have to throw that yellow flag and that's not NASCAR's fault. I want to make that clear. That is not NASCAR's fault. You got to throw the yellow flag if there's a wreck. Right. I mean, common sense. Uh, but I think the race, the quality of the race itself hurt because there were so many cautions. And, you know, coming back this year, I, I now I didn't get to tune into the full race. Um, I came home from working at New Egypt Speedway and uh, I only caught last uh, 40 laps, maybe. Um, and so I don't I don't know in particular if it was any better. I do know Jessica Friesen flipped. That was all over Twitter. Um, but, you know, in regards to the racing itself and, and I'll even dig a little deeper into just the dirt aspect of NASCAR and dirt. Um, it seemed like it was better quality than last year, uh, the racing itself. However, it seemed like it was really hard to pass. Um, it seemed like, you know, you kind of had to run within about, you know, a lane and a half of the outside. Um, and if you weren't running that lane, 
you were not really making any progress. I think John Hunter in the 40 laps that I watched was really the only truck that could hold the bottom and hold it relatively well. And even he was not going forward uh, after Todd Gilliland had taken the lead. Um, So, you know, it, it seems like a single groove racetrack. I can appreciate that NASCAR went to a dirt track that wasn't Bristol. Um, I was pretty vocal uh, after last year's Bristol race that uh, I felt like if NASCAR was going to go to a dirt track, it should be a track that was an actual dirt track. No, nothing against the people who put in the work at Bristol. While I appreciate that work, Eldora. it just Eldora. Yeah, it just it didn't seem to work out. The Eldora racing to me was always very exciting. Um, you know, Bristol and Eldora, of course, two very different racetracks, uh, dirt, asphalt, whatever you want to compare, uh, Bristol and whatever Bristol form to Eldora, very different tracks. Um, so I was, I appreciated last year when they went to Knoxville, just because they, they went to a track that was known, first off, very well known within the sprint car community and the dirt racing community in general. Um, but a track that, you know, the, the management understands the dirt and the clay and all the components of wetting down the track and and, and such. And they're more used to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, the the track itself, it didn't seem like there was a lot of kick up of the dust. That's one thing I can't stand because then it makes it impossible uh, to view what's actually happening. Um, So I can appreciate that at least. It seems like the the management of the track um, from the the track perspective, uh, much better. But I, I really don't know. It seems like we've had two eh races at Knoxville in two years. And, and I always say give a track a second chance. Um, I, I'd rather them go to a, a different dirt track. Um, maybe one that's got a little more banking. Um, you know, uh, hopefully that provides a little bit different uh, passing opportunities. But it just seems like Knoxville, um, you know, this year was hindered by, I think the passing problem. And, uh, I don't know what happened to Ben Rhodes. I saw the picture on social media. He was holding this giant chunk of mud. Um, that was a little strange to me. I feel like something like that probably should have been addressed, uh, prior to the race. I don't know if it was just missed or or what, but you know, it, it was a race. They happen. Um, and it makes you really appreciate the the better races that you have on the schedule um, and, and that you hope that, you know, some of those eh races, even if they stay at that venue, that they find where they can improve. Um, you know, wasn't super crazy about it. Again, I only watched 40 laps. If I sit down and watch the whole thing, which I, I hope to, um, I might have a different opinion. But to me, based off of what people were saying on Twitter what I've discussed with some others and then as well watching those last 40 laps it, it just seemed like uh you know it, it was not the best um but I, I agree with you I think this is probably the most intriguing as of right now uh of the points battles I mean coming into tonight's race you got John Hunter Zane Smith Ben Rhodes and Chandler Smith one two three four all within 14 points of each other and you have to remember that regular season championship, that's 15 playoff points. That's the equivalent of winning three races. That is a huge advantage for the, the trucks this year because, I mean, right now I'm looking, John Hunter coming into this race, if he uh, was seated first, would enter with two. 2,023 points. Zane Smith is the only person who would have more at 2,030 uh, because he's already got three wins. So, you know, I think especially if Zane Smith wins the regular season championship, that's a really big advantage for him because that's going to put him soaring above the rest of the competition with his three wins and the equivalent of three more. 
Um, and, you know, that essentially is what I'm looking at right now with the trucks, because something like that, you can ride those extra 15 points. You know, I, I feel like maybe they're a little closer together than I'm making them out to be. Um, definitely one bad race can hurt. But, uh, you know, it, it's still, especially, again, if Zane or John Hunter, because they've got a little bit more playoff point. Although Ben Rhodes is up there, too. He's got 21 right now. Um, you know, that, that's huge. You can ride that into the final four. We've seen it on the cup side. We've seen it in, in the Xfinity and the trucks before, too. Not as uh, common, but we've seen it. So uh, that battle for that uh that regular season championship that's what i'm looking at for the most part over the next six weeks including tonight um you know john hunter i know he's already had some type of issue he hit something i don't know if it was the wall or another truck and now uh they're reporting maybe uh possible light damage because he seems like he's still running and he's still pretty solid uh light damage to the right front fender of that truck uh zane smith right now i believe is leading yeah he's leading zane smith has been so impressive this season i it, it's unbelievable um and then you've got ben rhodes uh chandler smith i can't quite find uh, chandler smith is fifth uh don't see rhodes at the moment so it won't go too deep into that but it's going to be a really interesting battle especially given that they only have a few races left yeah i mean the we talking about the track prep and what was going on there i mean they had a huge huge berm on the inside essentially a massive curb that was uh akin to being about like three quarter height of where the wheels were and so if you that's part of what probably uh sent uh jessica's um uh samkin freezing uh flipping that um they faux missed with their outstanding coverage but it's not a tr it doesn't have a lot of banking um arca runs on mile flat dirt tracks and generally speaking, those races are similar. Um, and that was back when whether Tony was driving uh, with Frank Kimmel and the Larry Clement team back in the early 2000s or now. NASCAR, it's a nice novelty. Um, if you have a lot of power and you have types of cars that are really meant for that, like a sprint car, wing or non-wing, a midget or a late model, that's what it's meant for. Um I think if you're going to go race dirt, you need to make cars that are more meant for it and or vehicles that are more meant for it. Josh. I mean, it's like you mentioned it, Joe, about, you know, tracks. SRX is going to finish, and we'll talk about it later in the roundup. Um, they're going to race at two racetracks that probably would be great racetracks. They left one that was a perfectly good racetrack, and they made a bunch of upgrades for NASCAR. Had a Wednesday night special that was one of the most – favorite races people showed up for it was the middle of the week they got sponsors every year they always seem to have a different sponsor but they had a sponsor um stewball won his first truck race there too um and they made sure tony and him didn't get together because i think tony would have beat the shit out of him but um you know the they had a track and then every year the prep or whatever nascar wanted made the track worse and then they just decided, oh, we don't want to go there anymore. We're going to go to Knoxville. And it's like Knoxville is a flat track that you need to have a lot of horsepower. And you need to be able to pull the outside, pull that cushion. And when you are when you have a sprint car, a 410 sprint car, the way they prep the track versus how they prep the track for a truck is totally different. But then you also add the fact that a truck is 450 horsepower or whatever the hell they have them on with these crappy Elmore engines. And then they have... A, a sprint car has 900 horsepower or whatever the hell. 
It so you're able to the weight. The trucks are way yeah. heavier than any trucks are three thousand four hundred pounds and have no downforce and they drive like dogs. I mean, they've went and they've made them in a they've made them into like twisted sister vehicles, kind of like the crappy looking Arca cars of today. They've made them kind of into twisted sister vehicles, so they don't. It doesn't. None of it fits. It's like at what point do you just decide? Okay, let's do it. If you want to make Bristol, I mean, I don't get it. You're ruining a perfectly good racetrack when it's concrete, and you need to do the dirt thing as a novelty. And they uh, they fucked it up for the trucks, and they had to come back and do it again, and all this. And fine, you do it at Bristol. You want to do that, and then make the night race at Bristol, the night race weekend at Bristol, and have that. Okay, fine. You have your two events. All right, fine. That's it. We don't need more dirt um, races with the trucks. Nobody cares, really. Um, and the truck race in quality, considering a lot of the drivers that are in it, it makes it more like we shouldn't be doing that anymore. Um, Josh, I mean, Todd Gillen needed this win. DGR, Ford, has struggled this year um, outside of Zane Smith, of course. But, you know, the DGR team itself hasn't had a lot of luck unless they've had somebody that has some semblance of talent um, in their 17 truck. Ryan Priest has done some work. He qualified on pole uh, tonight. Uh, you know, he's one at this racetrack four in this truck. And, um, you know, Todd driving for his dad officially wins for his dad on Father's Day weekend. So that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, when you take away, when you get into it, I think the the takeaway is, yeah, Todd Gillen comes through, um, leads the second most laps. Hosevar had a vehicle to win, and he's right on the cusp. One of these days, he's going to win a race. I don't know where, but he's going to win a race. Um, and you'll have his story, oh, I broke my leg and did all this crap, but I still won a race. Um, and I think if he was the, and he's a beneficiary, I think we could take it in that sense. You know, we have this great points battle, but I think if there's somebody that could really sneak in and get crazy with it, there, there's a lot of vibes with this with this Carson Hosevar, and they're similar to Ross Chastain from a couple of years ago when he went on his heater and then switched his points, went and jumped in the 45 truck full time, won more, and then all and I mean they literally had their worst race of the year in the final race of the year, or else we might be talking about Ross Chastain as a truck series champion. Um, I mean, we might be talking about him as a cup series champion here in a few months time, but um, that was a precursor to what we have now with Ross Chastain in regards to Carson Hosevar, though, his rise through the ranks um, is, is legitimate and he is the real deal. He's aggressive, raw in certain ways, but he's got a ton of potential and Ross Chastain um, really um, believes in him. And so does Nice Motorsports and, what he does in those vehicles pales in comparison to, or is, is like, is a totally different, he's driving a totally different vehicle than any of his other teammates because the rest of his teammates are trash and, and he goes out there and he does work. So, I mean, I guess we'll take in both those angles talking about Todd Gillen. He's had a rough year this year, Josh, but he goes and does something for his dad. He goes and wins for his dad on father's day weekend. And then you look at Carson Osavar who, um, you know, battling through injury, um, his one of these days he's going to win one for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of these days. I think Carson Osvar is going to finally win. It's not a matter of if, but when. Uh, he's been been good, you know, last month and a half in this series, basically since I think you know Dirt Bristol, you know, all the way back in the beginning of you know or yeah beginning of April. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens. 
um, when you know when they go to the next race, if you know Josvar, well, of course they are racing right now, so don't know where Josvar is uh, in the field, but you know he's he's gonna get there eventually, and you know once he wins a race, it's gonna turn the truck playoff field upside down because you you talked about earlier, Joe, you talked about uh, John Hunter having the points lead, and they're all within a fourteen point range uh, down to Chandler Smith in fourth place. Well, you know Josvar is able to win. Um, that puts him in contention for the uh, championship in you know the playoffs and and possibly even the, the regular season championships. So um, those five guys are probably the uh, class of the field currently in the truck series, and I think you know four of those five guys will probably be in the uh, championship four when we head to Phoenix uh, at the beginning of uh, November here later this year. So. Uh, we'll see, you know, what happens. And then, um, you know, you talked about Todd Gillen. Todd Gillen finally winning for his dad. Uh, first time, shockingly, his first time ever racing for his dad. But, it, you know, almost doesn't seem like it because, uh, I mean, he already had raced the 38 truck in the uh, truck series before. But, of course, that one is basically uh, owned by uh, Bob Jenkins, the uh food you know you know he owns the jenkins racing not bob jenkins the broadcaster passed away last year but um you know todd gillen going out win winning for his dad it's got to be a good feeling doing it on father's day weekend like that of course um so uh, i mean i did not catch a whole lot of this race either but you know going back to what you guys talked about earlier about the track um being uh, you know the difference between knoxville being a uh, long track, you know, with flat turns, um, narrow turns, you know, compared to some place like Eldora, which is, you know, very wide, uh, has banking, and there's not a whole lot of straight. You're basically almost turning the, you know, almost the entire lap for the most part at Eldora. So it works well for the trucks, and, you know, places like that, Bristol Dirt kind of works well for the trucks as well. And, you know, you're able to use the high line, use the uh, cushion, uh, as they say in the dirt uh, racing world, and, you know, make up a lot of time momentum uh, running that line. Whereas, you know, the line's a whole lot different for uh, Knoxville. You're kind of more in the middle of the racetrack uh, there with the trucks. So um, all that combined with the truck being very heavy and not as much horsepower as uh, what, you know, the sprint cars run. And it's not going to turn out to be very great racing. And, you know, I think in, in general, uh, it seems like the uh, dirt cars, or not dirt cars, but flat tracks don't really work well with stock cars. And look at New Hampshire. Uh, there's not really been that memorable racing in uh, New Hampshire uh, outside of uh, the modified series. Uh, of course, they run the restrictor plates um, over there on that, you know, asphalt track, not a dirt track, but, you know, still very flat. Not a whole lot of racing there. Indianapolis flat track and um, hasn't worked well for the Cup cars, and now they're running road course. Um, I mean, the, I think the only uh, flat track in general that really works well is Martinsville. And, of course, it's a, you know, short track, a lot of heavy braking, but, um, you know, with the Place like New Hampshire, Indianapolis, other places that have uh, flat corners uh, doesn't really seem well to work uh, for uh, stock cars. So, not really surprised when you go to dirt, you know, where not a whole lot of grip and, you know, you really have to run a uh, technical line uh, around the racetrack. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot of good racing um, there. It's a, you know, turns into a very technical race when other, you know, cars, series, different classes of racing that run that track, like sprint cars, um, you know, it, run the way it's supposed to and um you know when you try it with trucks it doesn't really work out that way so uh we'll see if they return next year but 
um, yeah, I would rather probably see them at Eldora, like you said, Phil. So instead of Knoxville, so you know, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not the greatest race, and not certainly a disaster. But you know, we could probably do without Knoxville with uh, the Truck Series. And it's and believe me, I love Knoxville. Um, I mean, Donnie Schatz is a ten-time Knoxville Nationals winner. I mean, minus the fact that that tool Brad Sweets won a couple times in a row or whatever. Um, I love that racetrack. It's a great racetrack. It's just not meant for trucks. Um, NASCAR is not big on taking L's uh, uh, and actually owning up to them. It seems like they are. There's some news, a lot of news there on J-Ski and whatever. Um, in regards to cautions or a bunch of other news we'll get into here later, but in a, in a few moments time, but um, you know, it's okay. It doesn't work. They need to make, they need to bring sh- short track racing. They need to bring the trucks back to more short tracks. Uh, if SRX can do it and they can do it for six weeks and they can go to Sharon Speedway, which is Dave Blaney's track or the Blaney family track, and they can go to Peevely I-55 Speedway, which is Ken Trader's track, NASCAR can go there. I don't, if you're going to Five Flag Speedway, then NASCAR can go there. If not in North Wilkesboro Speedway is being brought back, NASCAR can go there. I don't give a fuck what they say about guardrails and this and that and the other thing. If if NASCAR, with all the damn money they have, can't go and invest in the racetracks, then they really shouldn't be a damn sanctioning body trying to go and put on racing. I know they want to make NASCAR into wrestling, but the fact of the matter is it's racing. And if you really want to invest in a sport, you should be putting more money into the pockets or putting, giving more money for some of these teams to show up um, and actually giving tracks known, giving the tracks an onus to actually want to hold races. Tony did that and they fucked him over Um, and nobody said anything, but let's be clear. I think Tony was like telling him, you guys are messing with my product and you're messing with things and you give an inferior product with bad tire and all this. You didn't give it. The racing got progressively worse every year at to the point where they blame the track, but it wasn't the track's fault. It's not Tony Stewart's fault when you can hold million dollar races for late models, sprint cars and all that. It's not his fault. Knoxville Raceway is one of the greatest dirt tracks ever. And people all over the world come for the Knoxville Nationals. But when the trucks race there, it's a clusterfuck. You know, own it. You know, it, it's part of the problem with NASCAR. They can't own when they're wrong, they can't own the fact that their vehicles are not meant for certain things. They're not meant for running on a 1.33 mile concrete, somewhat mid-banked oval. They blame, they say Pocono's terrible racing. If you go to Pocono, it's great. It's one of the best fan experiences in the world, but people hate it because TV doesn't do it justice. It's the same thing with New Hampshire. I'm pretty sure you have fun there. I've never really heard anything bad about the fan experience at New Hampshire, even with um, SMI taking over. But watching races in New Hampshire is horrible. It's the same way as watching in Phoenix. It's what Richmond has become, unfortunately. Richmond has basically jumped the shark a few years ago. Um, The Gen 6 car really, um, the Gen 5 and the Gen 6 car really jumped the shark with that track to now where Richmond is not a great racetrack. Um, But they're not going to lose their dates. Um, But, you know. It is what it is. We'll see what Ben Kennedy uh, has in mind for some of these schedules because it's up to him to go and make these schedules uh, for these series and what he's expecting or what he's looking for. Um, It would be nice if they had a little more variety and they had ovals that were, you know, they run short tracks. I think Kern County Speedway would be a great addition if they were trying to do a little West Coast swing, um, try to do Irwindale 
maybe an idea. You know, those would be that's the kind of tracks you should be going to. Shouldn't be going to freaking uh, Knoxville. Oh, there goes uh, Tanner Gray. Um, that's a blown tire, and that should be a yellow. Um, he blew a right front tire while battling with Todd Bodine. Um, but oh well. Eh, you know, we'll uh, see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with truck series as we go along. Um, I, as I, I actually, mentioned, yeah, go real, ahead. Real quick, Phil, just I don't mean to interrupt, but you, you actually you're talking about the schedule. And I just wanted to hijack this for a quick second, because uh, the way I feel, you know, what you're saying about introducing uh, different racetracks, more racetracks. I actually feel like over the past few years, that is the direction that NASCAR has gone. And I actually feel like that's a product that stems back all the way to the introduction of the Charlotte Roval, right? Fans uh, started talking, maybe, you know, two races. There's so many quad oval races. We don't necessarily need this. Uh, NASCAR, Marcus Smith saw an opportunity. They had the Roval race. Product was very successful in its first and second year, so much so that since 2020, since the pandemic, we've seen more new racetracks and more new configurations in the last, uh, since 2018, than we had in the prior 20 years in the Cup Series. So they're definitely moving that direction. And actually, based off of some comments, uh, I don't remember if it was Ben Kennedy that made them, but based off some comments that a NASCAR official made about the schedule, uh, I want to say it was maybe end of last year. They're definitely starting to move toward... Uh, potentially more similar to uh, Formula One, where they don't really they don't race multiple times at a track in a given year. Now, I do think you have a few racetracks that will have a second date pretty much in any given year. I think Daytona and Talladega will pretty much always have two dates, and I think Bristol in some form and uh, and Martinsville will pretty much always have two dates. Outside of that, truthfully, I'm not sure that any other track needs to have two races. Um, for as much as I love Darlington, and I was very excited when they announced it was going to get a second date, um, I don't necessarily know that it needs two dates. I, I think it would be fine just running uh, the one time on Labor Day weekend, the Southern 500. Uh, but definitely, it seems to be the direction that they're moving. And in fact, um, and I usually don't like talking about rumors, however, uh, there have been some rumors that have popped up. One in particular about the schedule uh, has been circulating Reddit and Twitter over the past few uh, days, really. Uh, about a week ago, maybe, is when I first saw it. But they're talking right now, of course, NASCAR is working hard at formulating the 2023 schedule. And I saw a tweet from someone, and it was reposted to Reddit. And the tweet had basically said that... Uh, their their friend, the person who tweeted their friend, uh, was trying to renew a Kansas Cup ticket or something along that line, and that they had been told that there was only one race for Kansas for 2023, July 8th, and that essentially Road America would have its date stripped from it. They've only been there once so far. It'll be twice July 4th weekend for Cup, um, and that in its place, they were going to have uh, a race at the Chicago Street Course, which was something that NASCAR experimented with uh, last year on iRacing, and that in place of the Kansas, the second Kansas race, that we were going to get a race at Chicagoland back. And there seems to be some very mixed reactions. I think for the most part, everybody seems okay if, again, this is a rumor that it's not 100%. Uh, a lot of people seem to be okay with, you know, I think really ever since Chicagoland has been taken away, 
fans have been vocal, and I've been vocal too. I've been part of that, saying Chicago needs to be back on the schedule. Um, in fact, at Fansided, I've written two different articles uh, about mock-up schedules and kind of what what are some things we we might see and what we want to see. One was for 2022. One I just published last month uh, for 2023. And both of those articles had, we want Chicago back, and we might be getting it. Again, I don't rely on it. I don't know how credible this source is or how credible that conversation was. Um, mistakes happen. Something might have been misinterpreted. So it is just a rumor. But I think that really does go to prove the that NASCAR is moving in that direction of we're going to have the same amount of races, but we're going to go to more tracks. We're going to reduce states for other tracks. And that is sort of kind of the way they're going. So they're definitely going to new venues that would be in the form of possibly the Chicago street course next year. Um, and they're also going back to old venues, right? Uh, road America 2021 was actually not the inaugural race. The inaugural race happened in the 1960s or fifties, I believe. Um, they only ran one race. Remembers it. So, you know, turning or going to new tracks. It's also about returning to older venues where, uh, maybe they only raced a few times or maybe NASCAR didn't see uh, as much immediate success or in the case of Chicagoland, I think it just kind of fell victim uh, to COVID, uh, you know, when they removed it, they had to remove it in 2020, didn't return for 2021 or 2022. And maybe, you know, with uh, the fan being as vocal about that particular track, uh, see it as an opportunity. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with the schedule. I, I think that's among... Uh, the more fascinating news that is uh, swirling around more people. Uh, I've definitely heard other rumors, not going to get into those just because I don't have credible backup for that. But uh, it does seem like NASCAR is interested in, uh, in getting to more racetracks. Well, let's hope so. Um, I mean, I, I mean, the truck schedule has been wonky for a while uh they had 25 races for a while now they're at 23 i think the problem is with the purses and the way the structure they have that series at um it's not very good i mean basically kyle bush <laughs> if it wasn't for like kyle bush and duke and ronda thorson and al niece and maybe and david gilland and maybe a couple other people the truck series would be dead uh uh, you know, and, you know, like in the cup series, you only have 36 cars showing up a lot of these weeks because they've taken away the open money to go and basically solidify the, the chartered cars. Um, that's been a good thing for the likes of, which we'll get into more details once we get into national talk, but, um, talking about track house and, um, colleague and a couple other teams probably, uh, but, New teams aren't going to come into the sport because you need a charter. Dale Earnhardt Jr. can't afford a charter. Uh, I mean, I think he could, but he ain't trying to pay that kind of money. I think he likes being one of the big dogs in the Xfinity series. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with all that. Um, but, yeah, with the tracks and all, I mean, there are tracks. There are options. NASCAR's goofy rules. They The, the SRX, which we're going to get into, they're racing at South Boston Speedway tomorrow. They had... Bush racing there for decades. Why aren't they racing at South Boston Speedway? They race in the middle of nowhere for all these other crappy, at a bunch of crappy places in the middle of nowhere. But you had great racing at South Boston Speedway. You had great racing at all these other Indianapolis Raceway Park. You got away from IRP. Why? I mean, like there's whatever the hell they call Lucas Oil Raceway Park. You know, there's so many instances of that. And maybe, maybe Ben Kennedy can fix that. Maybe they'll fix that. 
because the truck series, that's where they should be. They should be racing at South Boston. They should be racing at, at, at IRP. Uh, and so should the Xfinity series for that matter. Um, because they raced there from the original season, and then they decided, oh, no, we're going to have to run at Indianapolis in front of 24 people um, and and have a, a two 250-mile race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for nobody to give a fuck about. That was, like, the highlight of Ty Dillon's career. Um, but, you know, like, it's, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, we got through all that, went through the trucks, um, and the terrible coverage, of course, but then that's not going to change. Um, no matter who they have announcing, they should actually have the people there. Um, the way that Fox announces does races, it, it makes you think they don't want to be involved in it, but then they're busy going and trying to kill the country, so they don't really care about how they cover NASCAR. So um, F them. Um, they're paying Tom Brady $350 million, or whatever the fuck they're going to pay him, um, acting like he's going to be better than Tony Romo. And it's like he hasn't even get Tom, done anything yet. <laughs> yeah, and Tom and and it's like Tom Brady, even in the match, whenever he's been on the match, hasn't been that great. Honestly, you know, like you know, like he's funny, he's corny, you know. But it's like if you want me, if you're going to tell me, oh, I'm going to hire a quarterback to do TV, I'll I'll hire. I mean, A.A. Ron's an asshole by by trade. I'll hire A.A. Ron any day to do TV because I know he won't give a fuck. He'll say whatever it is. He'll be like Barkley. He's more like, I want somebody that's more like Barkley than a guy who's who's a cake eater. And Tom's not going to be able to go and say the kind of things. He's, Tony Romo is a nobody. He was a nobody when he got in the league and he, he, he went and became this guy. And he became a big star because he was a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And then he's now with the guy in Nance who, when Nance isn't putting himself over, actually does put over his co, his analysts his uh his uh co-worker whatever and romo is really smart nobody knew he's just this goofy guy goofy looking guy but oh he's really sharp guy i mean you know it's a kind of it's kind of like we were going to get into the nbc discussion how good dale jr has been um he's the closest thing like i was watching clips of the download earlier with phil parsons and Essentially, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the closest thing to Benny Parsons we've had since Benny Parsons. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. in retirement has been one of the only things that's kept me interested in this sport. And I, I just like the realness of Jr. He's, he's so genuine, and it's real. And for what he's went through and the crap that's happened to him, all the concussions and other things that probably have been swept under the rug too, but the concussions and all the things he's gone gone through. And he's built this great business with his sister, um, probably in the light of his dad. The fact that that's what DEI should have been. Um, the fact that uh, he's got this great broadcasting career, too, um, and people love him. Um, and, and he cares so much about racing. He's one of the only things, only people left that actually is trying to keep the history of motorsports going, talking about those stories, talking to the people that matter. And... I mean, I just from the clips of the Phil Parsons interview, I think it. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I, I went on like a rabbit hole of of watching different clips from the download, and it, I forget who it was. Oh, it was Andy Petrie talking about Phil, um, and they had their funniest Phil Parsons story. And Andy th- throws one story in, and then Dale Jr. comes back with the one 
uh, story about him give trying to give his steering wheel to Bobby Allison, and he almost killed himself trying because he didn't cut the freaking wire off or some crap back in like 1985 or something. I'm like, that's some good shit right there. You know, it shows how goofy Phil Parsons was, but it also tells you, and, and but you see how genuine Phil Parsons is. And he has that, and, and the point is Phil Parsons for many years has been this great broadcaster, but you live in the shadow of your big brother, who's one of the greatest broadcasters ever, but he was gen- he, he didn't care. He F up. He said Randy LaJoy was shot out of a canyon. This is one of my favorite lines ever. Um, and then he would always yell, Randy! So then, you know, like I had an old friend named Randy, I would yell that sometime. You know, like, uh, you know, but Bob, Benny, and Ned, and the whole that thing, Dale Jr. needs like an Alan Bestwick. Uh, and then he, him and Latart have this good interplay together. And I mean, Burton doesn't really add anything to him for me, but um, he's there. I think if Dale Jarrett, if they had Dale Jarrett, Dale Jr., and Alan Bestwick, NBC would have an amazing broadcast booth. You have Latart down there as the fourth guy on pit road, literally going and scoping around, or they have him in the studio somewhere in North Carolina doing the Larry McReynolds thing, but they have him chime in more than Larry does. That would be the proper broadcast booth, but we can, we'll get in. I, I went off in a little tangent over there with that, but um, there's been a lot of uh, news stories. We talked about it offline. Um, you know, those passing of Bruton Smith, uh, a man who who uh, went and saved Charlotte Motor Speedway, went or went broke trying to save Charlotte Motor Speedway, then brought it back, and then him and Humpy Wheeler built one of the greatest speedways there is. They were the first uh, people to bring up bring lights to a big track one hot night, one of the greatest all star races ever. Um, Davey wasn't awake. Um, to celebrate his victory because he was in the hospital because he got a concussion uh, and they destroyed their best race car in the process. But then he did. Uh, okay. Uh, he didn't win the 600. He won the 600 the year before, but um, all the things Bruton Smith brought, he tried to contend with NASCAR and make a separate series, which I think is what SRX essentially is um, because the cars kind of have a similar look to kind of what they were going to do. Um, a lot, whole lot of things. I think Bruton Smith's been a big player um, in NHRA with uh, the four wides and all these great mecha, massive drag strips they've built. Uh, not only redoing Bristol, but then building Las Vegas, building the Charlotte four wide. He's been a big part of what um, big part of motorsports for decades. Uh, his passing is something I think Marcus has taken a front role now to try and be that next generation. He's not as bombastic. He's not as big of a character in that way. He does quiet moves. And his first big move, as Joe brought up, was bringing the Roval into play. You know, having to follow in the footsteps of a father that was this innovator, in a sense, in motorsport um, uh, tracks and making these meccas. You know, he bought Bristol... Bristol uh, International Raceway in 1995. Then it became Bristol Motor Speedway. And then it became this, it became the Coliseum. It became a place that you could hold 180,000 people, wherever the hell it is you can hold in there, 160,000 people. Um, And it became essentially a football stadium, which of course that happened. They actually had a football game there here last year, two years ago, whatever. You had, you had, 
a stadium racetrack, um, which is a, why I think Ben Kennedy is like, oh, let's go to the Co- L.A. Coliseum. Let's go and run the All-Star race there. Well, there you go. It's probably because Bruton Smith just made a Coliseum at in freaking Bristol, Tennessee. You know, Charlotte Motor Speedway led to the hellhole that is Texas Motor Speedway. I I mean, I'm sorry, Bruton, that is a shithole, and I don't care what you did. God bless your soul. Place is one of the worst racetracks on the history of planet Earth. Um, but you can't be good everywhere. Um, you had Charlotte, Atlanta Motor Speedway is one of the great, great tracks. Um, it used to be, at least. Um, I'm not so sure about today. Um, you know, in the 1992 championship there, Jeffy won, um, locked up three of his four championships at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, you know, like there, there's all these great racetracks and all these great things and all the, the pomp and circumstance. Um, before we move forward, I guess, uh, Josh, uh, what were your thoughts and when uh, you heard about the passing of Bruton Smith and what is he, what things that you've noticed or thought of that were great things that he brought to motorsport? I think also making ISC and the date and the France family actually have to work in regards to their end of the bargain to provide um, certain services, even though, I mean, we could question on that too. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Bruton Smith, you know, was a big figure in the sport and, you know, helped, uh, you know, bring in or grow the sport, you know, from where it began, you know, the back to where Charlotte was in the 1960s to where it is today. I mean, that's his creation or part of it, you know, with um, modernizing it and everything and, you know, buying out Bristol uh, Motor Speedway and um, making it into the Coliseum that it is today and expanding it uh, to what it is because you know, it didn't used to look like this great, you know, stadium-looking Coliseum that it is right now. It was, you know, just a small little hairpin racetrack that um, didn't have a whole lot of grandstands. And now, uh, you know, since the mid-'90s when he took over, um, switched it to concrete, um, expanded the grandstands, built uh you know, a whole lot of things brought in the uh, or helped bring in the uh, what do you call it the Colossus the big big screen that that place has suspended by uh, cables and um, swapping out North Wilkesboro for Texas Motor Speedway you know a lot of uh, people didn't really agree with that one um, you know bringing NASCAR to Las Vegas uh, so he helped expand uh, and grow NASCAR although maybe you know at some cost because of course you know, we effectively lost no uh, North Wilkesboro to Las Vegas although we are bringing North Wilkesboro back you know his son of course uh, finally investing into uh, North Wilkesboro and um, of course with the help of the uh, government of state uh, you know state of North Carolina being able to invest into North Wilkesboro but you know still a, uh, someone that we should you know think of as someone who helped grow the sport to where it is today so um, you know Sad loss for sure, but you know his legacy can uh, continue to live on with um, his son, you know, running SMI and uh, you know being one of the stewards, I guess, of uh, the sport today. And Joe, uh, I know you, you, we talked about that also offline. So, um, what are your thoughts, um, you know, on the loss of Brutensmith? I mean, it's been felt across. I mean, I brought up Donald Hawk, who used to work for SMI. That's a goal for the Colorado Avalanche. There you go. The Shushkin just went and got a goal to tie the game. Um, but um, Bruton Smith, um, there are so many people across motorsports that have been touched or had something to do or connection to him. Um, and, of course, like as Josh mentioned, his son now has that responsibility to follow in the footsteps. And it's always tough to be the son of 
you know, somebody who's so big. But to follow in the footsteps, I think it's similar to Ben Kennedy, what he has to deal with being the grandson and a great-grandson of icons. But I think right now, we look at this sport right now, you know, Bruton Smith, he did all this for his family, but Marcus has been made that guy. NASCAR, ISC, I mean, I think Ben Kennedy wanted to continue racing. He could have had an okay career. I think there are people that would have probably benefited if he had been, uh, if he had decided he wanted to move up because they might have gotten help kind of like Ferrari used to from the form from FIA, the way that Red Bull seems to benefit from the FIA these days. But um, the fact is we have this future. You talked about Ben Kennedy. Josh brought up Marcus Smith trying to bring it back, but I think that's a lot to do with Dale Jr. It all connects together what we've been talking about. Um, but the loss of Bruton Smith is a big one um, in motorsport. You know, we lost a friend, of course, Bill France Jr. many years ago when Martin Truex won his first race in 2007 at Dover on a Monday. And um, that was a big loss for the sport. And now we've lost Bruton Smith, but he's been out of the limelight for a while. But the amount of people he's connected with, big, great, legendary racers and people that have been connected to the sport. Um, it's a loss that is going to, it's a person that it's hard to replace. So big shoes to fill for sure. Yeah. Now, Bruton Smith, I mean, almost every video I've ever seen him in, almost every picture I've ever seen him in, there's one thing that strikes me about all of it. He's always smiling. And that is, you know, when you see those, that's the smile of a man who loves what he's doing. It's the smile of a man who knows he has succeeded. And, uh, and I don't mean just, you know, financially he's well off, but I mean, he enjoys what he did and he enjoyed the people he was around, both his family and his coworkers and everybody who contributed to Speedway Motorsports. Um, that is the greatest success. It's not the money. It's not the fame. It's not, uh, and any accomplishment really, although it certainly does help him. It, to me, it was just always his attitude. He was always happy. I don't know if I've ever heard him or seen him, uh, upset and, you know, to, to do something you love, that's one thing to be good at something you love. That means so much more. And that's what Bruton Smith was. He was such an influential figure in so many ways. Uh, he held almost every position that you could imagine. He was a promoter. He, you know, went all the way up the line to being the owner of Speedway Motorsports, his own company. And, you know, really without a figure like him, NASCAR racing, there's a good chance could look very different today. Not in terms of, you know, the cars or, or the this or the that, but in, in terms of where they compete on what types of tracks they compete. Because you think a lot about, uh, you know, the SMI tracks and there are a lot of one and a half milers owned by Speedway Motorsports. You got Charlotte, you got Texas, you got Atlanta, uh, Kansas, um, you know, a lot of one and a half milers and, uh, you know, it, it definitely changed because for a long time throughout the 2000s and into the 2010s and even into the 2020s, a lot of racing on mile and a half. So it was not something that was super common before tracks like Las Vegas and uh, and Kansas, although Kansas, actually, I, I think I spoke speaking correctly, Kentucky, not Kansas. Um, Kansas is owned by ISC. Uh, but, you know, tracks like that definitely served influence um on the places that nascar raced and and you could say even for that matter on the types of cars that they built because this next gen car its focus was to 
uh, build a better product uh, overall at every track, but particularly on those mile and a halfs where you know cars get strung out and uh, and over the past few years historically where it's been hard to pass because of the uh, the package. So you know there's definitely influence that Bruton Smith had in other areas where he necessarily didn't even touch. Um, you know being in the Hall of Fame rightfully earned and he'll that's where he'll remain um and that is where you know hopefully fans will go and uh, you know if they're younger fans who are not necessarily familiar with bruton smith hopefully they familiarize themselves with bruton smith in their time at the hall of fame um you know great great guy great person um great at what he did and uh you know, it, it's really, really sad, uh, and I think I speak for all three of us when I say this. But thoughts and prayers with the Smith family—that is, uh, that's massive uh, to lose uh, a father, uh, a brother, uh, a husband, um, and then for the NASCAR community to lose one of its most revered figures. Uh, now, touching on the topic of Marcus Smith, uh, I know you know in particular with the SMI tracks, there have been some rather controversial decisions made in the past few years. I know the Roval was one of them. Uh, it ended up working out. Bristol Dirt was one of them. Fans seem to be uh, pretty 50-50 on that. You know, the reconfiguration of Texas, uh, the reconfiguration of Atlanta, very controversial things that Marcus Smith in a very short time has done. But I just want to remind everybody, um, especially because, uh, you know, you always see the hate on social media, and I feel like poor Marcus gets a lot. Um, Marcus Smith is not Bruton Smith. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was not Dale Earnhardt, who is not Ralph Earnhardt. Uh, Kyle Petty was not Richard Petty, who is not Lee Petty. Um, you know, it, it goes on and on and on to all the families in NASCAR. Ben Kennedy is not uh, Brian Kennedy or or Brian France or anyone, right? So you have to remember, times are different, people are different. Don't be so hard on Marcus Smith because he's not his father. Is every move, is every call that he makes best? Maybe not, but don't don't give him such a hard time, right? He's Marcus Smith. Let him be Marcus Smith. Don't make him, don't force him to be Bruton Smith. Because that, for all intents and purposes, uh, is probably worse than letting Marcus Smith be Marcus Smith. Because when you force somebody to to be someone who they aren't, it, uh, it, it just it gets sloppy. It's no good. So be nice, especially on Twitter. Be nice to Marcus Smith, even if you don't always agree with what he's doing. Um, and, and, you know, poor Marcus, he, he does now kind of have the attention that once surrounded, uh, Bruton Smith, he's now got that on his shoulders. And that's an additional thing he's got to worry about on top of all, you know, maneuvering tracks, this and that, and potential reconfigurations that may, may be in the works that we don't know about. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind before you say anything, but, uh, Definitely, definitely, definitely looking for him, uh, Marcus Smith, to to continue to wow us. I mean, look, Charlotte Roval was fantastic. I, I think that was the the best idea that has been had for NASCAR probably since the turn of the, the century. Um, definitely, I think the most influential for our future in of the sport. So uh, you know, he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders, and uh, he's going to do his thing. And he's friends with Dale Jr., so that might protect him a little bit. He's close with Dale Jr. That might be the one thing that keeps him from, like, getting completely flamed. Um, I need to get... See, now I feel bad because both you guys have the whole arm thing set up with the mics, and then I still have my cheap shit. Um, I need to get a better job or something. I, mean, or I need to start well, making got, money. I got to link this up with that, that mic, though. 
I like that mic, Jill. Thank you. I need I, to. I, I, I figured, you know what? I, I've been on the show enough. It was time to get a little more professional. I, I figured it's time to get a microphone. I, I mean, I do other uh, the projects on the side, of course, that this serves purpose for, but uh, I just wanted to show off, I guess. Well, yeah, so now I have to go and upgrade. I need a better job or something. I need to start making money bowling or something. Uh, I can do that. We're getting there. We're working at it. I'm, I'm paying the price in certain ways, but the fact is I'm also, because I have enough bowling balls that you'd swear that I actually am like a tour, like I'm borderline like a tour professional the way I have bowling balls, I, but and it's my addictive personality. Um, I I have a thing with dad and die cast cars and, and other stuff. So when I when I get into something, I go all in. That's what it is. The same way as a GSP. Um, even though it's laissez-faire at certain times, um, I'm all in on this, and I'm going to ride this one out um, all the way. Um, even when I have kids, God willing, um, I'm going to have this deal. So we'll uh, get into all that. I mean, uh, Joe, you brought up there. There's some news. I mean, I was, um, you know, because I'm looking at stuff for the roundup here. I mean, Brody Kostecki, a former NASCAR Next uh, competitor, Australian driver, uh, somebody who came here and ran uh, K&N and stuff like that. He's looking at trying to dovetail his supercars career, uh, full-time supercars career with uh, road courses. Um, One of the pieces that we're going to get into in the roundup also involves a person of a certain uh, guy with a dash in his actual name um, that will probably be in the Daytona 500 next year. But there's been a couple of other news items and there's, I saw on Jayski, there's some stuff out there. Um, but what have you seen? And Josh, uh, obviously you can throw in here. I'm Ricky Stenhouse. Oh, Richard. Oh, Richard. Um, um, there you go. We had to, we had to happen. I'm glad you came right in on that. Um, if Adam was here, um, that would have been good. Uh, too. That would have been perfect. He would have went real long on that one. I'm I'm not as good as I used to be. Ten years ago, I'd have really owned that. But um, he's got an extension with JTG Doherty. Um, probably due in part because Brad's working on NBC. Um, to afford his salary. Um, uh, for whatever the hell you're paying him to run tenth to twentieth every week. Um, and then Mark, that Truax kid from Mayetta, New Jersey um is back um for one more year before he gets forced out for Ty Gibbs. Um the force out isn't happening because they didn't have enough options. They didn't have options. It's funny. That the sponsorship wasn't there and they knew that it probably wasn't going to be a good idea to hurry Ty up because they already saw what happened when they hurried a young driver that was that was probably a little that was raw and would ruffle some feathers and um, probably wasn't the right idea in Joey Logano. Um, then they screwed Eric Jones over, and now Christopher Bell's in no man's land. So they're like, okay, let's just sign who we have because he has a good relationship with James Small and all this. They'll run one more year. Ty Gibbs will be in that car. Um, I figure Kyle Busch is not leaving. Um, I think it would be amazing if that happened. It would be bad for Toyota, honestly, if he left, um, because that would be the end of their truck series program. Um, uh, so I kind of want him to go. I saw something on YouTube earlier where they were like, oh, where could he go? And then they had a mock-up of him going to the 10 car, and I'm like, oh, 
That's something. I might actually have to like Kyle Bush. That is it's like hell freezing over. But yeah, it's like um it's kind of like how I like Jimmy Johnson now, even though he sucks in an indie car. But I root for Jimmy Johnson, even though he's part of the reason why Tony Stewart only has 49 cup wins and three championships. Uh, but, you know, I, there's um, those there's those two pieces. Martin Truex coming back next year was the first domino for uh, Joe Gibbs. I, I mean, you know, J, what is it called? JD's guy is Denny Hamlin. So he never leaving between that and FedEx. He ain't leaving. He's going to get to call a shot. Um, worst case, he gets to move the charter and there's some money deal. They'll co- ask Michael Jordan to sell a couple of pairs of sneakers, cut a check to Joe Gibbs, and they'll have another charter mysteriously um, come out of thin air. Um, but, um, you know, I think Kyle Busch is probably staying there. I think for all intents and purposes, Joe Gibbs Racing is set for next year. But we already know what's coming. Uh, we know Ty Gibbs is likely going to be in the 19 car and he's going to have some big shoes to fill because Carl Edwards, they built that, they made that team from scratch as a fourth team and they put, they bought Carl Edwards off, off of Ford and, and, and uh, Roush and they were a championship team when he decided to quit. Then they, they had Suarez who they really didn't, let's be clear based on what he's doing in, in a track house car. They really didn't give him a fair shot. Tony knows they didn't give him a fair shot in the 41 car, too. Now he's a good driver, but they built him up, made him a tri- Xfinity champion. He went through the whole bit, the whole um, drive from D, D for D. Um, and uh, they had him with the Aris sponsorship, of course, with Carlos Slim. And then they ran, um, Joe Gibbs ran um, uh, Barney Visser out of the sport intentionally so he could go and get um Martin Truex and um Cole Pern and uh they almost got the one championship there uh a couple of years ago that Kyle ended up getting uh, his second championship and then um now he's been there with James Small Aussie guy used to work in the V8 Supercars championship um has a lot of connections there and so they have that relationship they're still around they're competitive but it's not the same as what um, Martin Truex had with Cole Pern. So I guess with all of that, I'll look at Jayski while you guys get into some of the news. Josh, um, I, I'll throw to you first. Martin Truex signing back for one more year. Stenhouse, oh, Richard, gets another year so that he can go and take care of the wedding he's going to have to this uh, new uh, new uh, fiancé of his. Um, I don't know if he bought Danica Patrick's bolt-ons. I don't think he did, but... Um, she got rid of them recently. Um, but in the case of Ricky Stenhouse, he's going to stay at JTG Doherty. I didn't know he was a free agent, really. Um, I think it's interesting because there are some Xfinity guys that could have um, been in play for that car. That might have made sense um, as well, maybe, for that ride. Um, that might have been a better idea, cheaper option than Ricky Stenhouse, who's a guy who's Won a couple of cup races, but hasn't really done much in recent years. Well, I mean, Martin Truex, uh, first off, I mean, what a simple announcement. I'm coming back uh, very similar to Michael Jordan when he came back to the Chicago Bulls. Just one announcement, 
two words, I'm back. And that set the, uh, you know, I've watched the last dance that set off the uh, news media and everybody back in, you know, 1995 uh, and all that stuff. But a uh, very similar uh, quote here, I'm coming back and um, talked about, I think, yeah, earlier he talked about um, how long it took for his, you know, him to come to that decision. It took him about six months into this year. So decides to come back in 2024 and beyond uh probably have to wait another six months uh for him to make that decision but we'll see how long you know he decides to stay in the cup series just seems like he hasn't been performing as much or as well this year as he has in uh years past but um you know of course everybody's kind of been inconsistent with uh, the new car there hasn't i mean chase elliott's leading the point standings but um you know outside of you know, track house racing, it seems like everybody's kind of hit or miss on this car every week. Um, so, and of course that leads to the parody level that we've seen, uh, this year, but, uh, we'll see, you know, how true X is. Maybe we'll see how long he decides to stay in the series, you know, with especially his, uh, girlfriend, life partner, uh, Sherry Pollock's of course, having her issues with, uh, ovarian cancer. We'll see, you know, how long she decides or how long he decides to stay in the series and, um, before you maybe retire to, you know, take care of her and, uh, you know, continue to run their foundation and, uh, all that stuff. And of course you mentioned Ricky Stanhouse, of course he was a free agent, uh, after this year, but, you know, they decide to lock him up, uh, long-term and feel like this, you know, might be kind of similar to the deals that they made with, uh, AJ Almendinger, who, um, seemed like, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, very, you know, mid-level in that team. And then, you know, they would sign him to multi-year extensions, five-year extensions, and seems like every other season that they when he was on that team they were signing him to an extension so <clears throat> excuse me so um you know i feel like it's kind of similar to that and probably in you know two or three years we'll see another extension for uh stenhouse if he doesn't move uh or you know if he decides to or doesn't decide to move to uh, another team in the cup series or you know wherever so um i you know think um as long as he continues to run well he'll probably be at uh, jtg long term and yeah. uh, Joe, you can throw in there. Yeah, I'll jump in. So, I, uh, you know, with the Truex move, I, I definitely, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that I saw that one coming. I really kind of thought that he was uh, done. He he said something to the effect of, you know, I'm very grateful for the people who have helped me throughout my career. Um, you know, basically the the type of thing you would say when you know you're retiring, but you're not saying that you're going to retire. So I think most likely what you guys have said is pretty much spot on. I think that 2023 will be the swan song season. Uh, He'll have his farewell tour. And uh, I think it would take something really extreme for him to reconsider, quite honestly. He's been in the sport for a long time. And I think a lot of people fail to recognize that sometimes because for a while he was not very successful. You know, he got the one win with DEI. I believe it was... Uh, either his second or his third season there in 2007, um, full-time, of course, where he was driving that one car. And he went many, many years, really, without making much noise, right? He got his next win. His second career win came in 2013, six years after getting that first win. That's a long time. And then, of course, went on his tear starting in uh, twenty early 2015. He showed some uh, flashes of greatness in 2016. Obviously had an incredible year, arguably a championship contender. Uh, went pretty far into the playoffs. Just luck was not on their side. Um, and then, of course, uh, 2017 having that amazing championship year. 2018 almost going back-to-back one position short. Uh, 2019, again, another really competitive year for that team. And even 2020 was a, a decent year for the team. Wasn't as good as 
past years, but you could definitely tell that switch between Cole Pern and James Small made a big difference. The, the level of uh, competitiveness on the week-to-week for that team definitely dropped after uh, James Small was paired with Truex, and I don't necessarily know that that has anything to do with James Small himself. Uh, it might just be, you know, uh, very similar to how some drivers uh, just need a new crew chief because they can't really, uh, uh, you know, communicate clearly with them, uh, not only from the week to week during the race, but back at their shop. I mean, you know, look at, uh, I always say, you know, when a situation like this comes up, I say, look at Dale Jr., right? And, and his uh, crew chiefs went from Tony Uri, uh Jr., who had been his crew chief for uh, a few years at that point, got switched out for Lance McGrew, who I really don't even know that he lasted more than uh, a season and a half. Uh, and then eventually it's a Steve Letarte and the two of them paired up and it was a whole different ball game for, for Dale Jr. after that. So, um, you know, it could just be a matter of that, the communication between the two or, or some dynamic between the two of them uh, that we're not necessarily seeing that is, uh, that is causing the, that difference that we saw from uh, the Cole Pern era to the James Small era. But I definitely think 2023 is going to be a swan song season. I think uh, if he's got any shot of re-signing, probably on his terms alone, um, because I think Gibbs would keep him as long as they probably could. He uh, He's a pretty positive figure for the sport. He's pretty outspoken, a uh, good figure for Toyota. He's competitive. Even still, I know we haven't seen it so much this season, but he's someone good to have around for a number of reasons on top of just being competitive. Um, so, you know, I, I think if Truex goes after 23, uh, which I do think is a likely option. It'll be on his own terms. It's not necessarily going to be that he's forced out or such. Um, but I also feel like, you know, it would take something really extreme for him to reconsider uh, at that point, because if he is going on his own terms, truly, um, it may be harder, right? If he wins, you know, five or six races from now until, uh, you know, let's say a year from now when they're talking another contract extension, then it's a different story, right? You've won five or six races. You might have been in championship contention in 22. Um, but really, at, at his performance rate at this uh, level, uh, or I guess at this point in time, um, I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to want to stick around. Um, as far as Ricky Stenhouse goes, one detail that I noticed that uh, intrigued me was I didn't actually see a number uh, tied to that multi-year extension. I don't know how long that extension is. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have seen that or if anybody listening has seen that number. But uh, I actually, Josh, much like you, I, I didn't realize he was a free agent this year. And uh, very interesting. I was a little shocked when I heard he was resigned. Not like Truex because I was kind of expecting him to retire, but I really didn't even know that that was on the table. Um, you know, I, I definitely wonder if they talked to anybody else, if they, uh, had spoken maybe with like, uh, the likes of Noah Gregson, who I think at this point is probably, uh, next to Ty Gibbs for the, the two people of when are they going to move to cup? Um, you know, Ty Gibbs was a little bit of a different situation because Joe Gibbs kind of came out and said, yeah, we're not really ready for that yet. Um, but you know, with Gregson now he's, he's done a few years in Xfinity and, uh, you know, I, I think we kind of see that he's on the brink perhaps of moving in a cup in the next few years. Um, I think he's might have to win an Xfinity championship before that. And, uh, if he keeps performing the way he started this year, uh, could definitely be this year, but 
Um, that that was definitely interesting. I wasn't really expecting to see that type of news today, um, especially not from two stables. But uh, really interesting in that perspective. Um, you know, again, don't know how long Stenhouse is going to be over there, and depending on whenever that next contract year for him is, and uh, who's around at that point and available, could dictate uh, whether or not he's in that 47 any longer. But uh, yeah, as far as Truex goes, he's probably, I, I imagine, we're probably talking 2023 his last year, and at that point, Ty Gibbs will have had a, a lot more time to refine his skill in Xfinity, and he'll probably step into the 19 come 2024. Um, another piece of news, and I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into this only because, uh, again, this is not necessarily a set in stone thing. However, this one does come from a far more credible source than what I was speaking of earlier. Uh, earlier this week, I believe it was Davey Seagal, um, released an interview. He was speaking to a representative from Nice Motorsports who had, uh, mentioned that, oh, we got Ben Rhodes in the grass. Look at that. Um, yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw that. I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but or the 99 went in the grass. So that's Ty Majeski, uh, or, or is that Ben Rhodes? Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Rhodes, uh, yeah, it's Ben Rhodes. Yeah, Ben Rhodes almost wrecked uh, the right left rear of uh, Zane Smith. Uh, the lettering is gone. Uh, Chandler Smith also got uh, lost a ton of track position there um, in that spot. So the battle right now is between Ryan Priest and the 17 truck. Uh, Christian Eckes and Zane Smith, who won the first stage. Oh, that's a big wreck. Oh, boy. Um, Corey Heim doing uh, stuff he would do when he was driving. Oh, there goes Chandler Smith, too. Look at that. Um, Corey Heim, Chandler Smith, um, D Burrito. Happy day for him, obviously. Happy week for him this week, um, knowing how backwards he is. And then um, Grant Enfinger uh, destroyed with 23 laps to go. But um, yeah, you can keep on going there. Um, yeah, and, and actually, a, a, as you're talking, I'm looking for Carson Hosevar because he is the person of interest in this. Um, oh, there they go. Corey, I'm ahead of you. I, yeah, I, I, I'm ahead of no, you. You, you must be ahead way ahead of, of me. <laughs> yeah, Phil's yeah. ahead of us by a while because now I'm just seeing it now too. Us internet streamers versus cable. But yeah, Phil. Yeah, is, well, uh, that's the only reason that the only reason we're paying all this. Damn money's because I need football. I love football and I love you know, I love golf and I I need live. I mean, the point is I would cord cut. We had that conversation, Joe, uh, earlier this week, and I'm like, well, too delayed, hard whatever. You're a sports fan, it's too hard. Yeah, it's too hard, and I mean, I think my mom would rather we cord cut, but I'm still here, so um, <laughs> you know. And we barely watch TV, but you know she watches news. She and one of the, one of the news channels she watches is only on cable. So you know, literally, um, we're we're fucked that way. But um, yeah. So twenty two laps to go. Um, Dean Thompson, holy crap, is running eleventh. Wow, hell is freezing over. Well, thanks to him and his dad. Um, thanks to him and his dad because that sponsor is not only helping. Um, the Nice team put some good trucks out there for um for Hosevar and for Ross Chastain, but also giving Ross Chastain an opportunity in the Cup Series. So I'm um, credit to Worldwide uh, whatever transportation or whatever the hell they're called. Um, oh man, Grin and Fingers truck is fucked. That thing yeah, that um, was, is that, 
That was pretty That big. one that one's ending up in the uh Dale Jr. Yard. graveyard. That that I mean, it's been a great day for a GMS, that's for sure. Um not any of his doing, of course, Infinger, um Jack Wood doing Jack Wood things and then I don't know why you're going four wide into that uh, corner. And, and yeah, I think uh, Ty Majeski, you know, he had a run there and uh, got pretty aggressive with it. He he was already to the inside. You know, he he wasn't yeah. really like poking to the inside. He was already there. I think maybe the four of them just got a little too close together, and particularly the two in the middle, Matt De, uh, De Benedetto and De Burrito went and, yeah, and Corey close. Heim. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm sorry. I got totally distracted and off track, so sorry about that. But uh, the person that's okay. I, uh, it's a GSP. We get off track all the time. It's mostly me, though. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I could share in the fun of getting off track. I like. This week. I like how Josh is nodding when when the tangent part. I mean, dude, yeah. you're supp- I I know you know you like to no sell me, but bro, like, come on, man. That's that's <laughs> some bullshit. That's What's some bullshit? bullshit man. What is bullshit? You're no selling. You're no selling me. Like, I like you, the- you know. You like the tangents? Okay, good. I just say, yeah, I know we do tangents. Okay, all right, all right. You you saved yourself there. All right, you can go, go ahead, Joe. All right, so uh, last really big news piece, um, also con- somewhat uh, concerning silly season. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Carson Hose, or I'm sorry, not Carson himself, but there was a representative from Nice Motorsports who was on uh, uh, an interview with Davey Seagal, and uh, he but mentioned... E-Fall? What's that? Cody Efa? Uh yeah, I believe so. I, or, I don't quite um, remember the name. Not not a name I'm too familiar with. Cody Efa is the guy that runs the competition at Nice Motorsports. And he used to be connected. I think he used to be a crew chief and I think he drove. Like there whatever. There's like long connections oh, to right. Cody Efa for a while. Um yeah. and then he became the guy for Al Nice to kind of go and set the whole thing together. Yeah, so they were uh, very interestingly. It came up in that interview that uh, Nice Motorsports was looking to go Cup Series racing, and uh, I thought it was very interesting because almost immediately the uh, conversation from fans became, uh, you know, very similar to what we've discussed and what uh, Joe Gibbs made a point about saying. Ty Gibbs, uh, it's w- too fast. Progression is too fast through the levels. Why are you jumping from trucks to cup full time? Blah blah blah. And Nice almost very immediately responded and said, "Never said full time." So uh, it's very possible that we do see Carson Hosevar in Cup next year. Um, I would imagine from the comments that that followed the interview uh, that it probably would not be a full time ride. It would probably be uh, you know on the weekends where trucks and uh, Cup run the same race uh, or at the same racetrack that you may find Carson starting in a, uh, a nice car, uh, you know, maybe four five, six races, uh, in 2022. Um, I think he's, you know, I, I wouldn't want to see him not because I don't appreciate him or his talent. He's clearly got the talent, but he still needs to refine and develop same as Ty Gibbs. Um, so I'm glad that Nice came out and said, yeah, we never said full time. Don't think about that. Um, only because I, I think that would be a disservice to both Nice and to Carson Hosevar. I think he would be rushing him far too fast uh, into a cup car. But I like the idea, though, of him potentially getting to go out and running a few cup races um, and then possibly having a new team maybe for 2024 uh, join the Cup Series force full time. Now, uh, I, I 
don't necessarily know if they'll be able to get a charter. Maybe they have to stay as a part-time team, or maybe they just try to qualify their way in every week. I mean, let's be honest, most cup races at this point on the week-to-week have less than 40 cars entering anyway, uh, so it shouldn't really be a problem for them to run most races if they so chose uh, without a charter. But um, really interesting on on that front. Uh, Again, it was a piece of news that uh, I wasn't really expecting. I kind of feel like with some of the news stories, I'm have been left a little bit out of the loop and not by anyone in particular. I'm, I'm just shocked at, at, at some of these stories that have come out. Um, but really interesting because they all do affect 2023. So I think what you're really starting to see here develop is the start of silly season uh, regarding 2023, possibly years uh, in advance. So um, don't be surprised if you see the schedule pop up in the next few weeks. Um, I feel like that might be an August time frame, so maybe a little bit later. But uh, if you start to see some announcements, whether it be retirements, and, and this is across all three divisions, uh, you know, if you start to see some retirement announcements, some this guy's going to move up next year. Um, I would expect silly season at this point. Uh, maybe you're going to start to see some more stuff throughout the course of mid to late July um, and and forward. Yeah, and I mean, there's I think the. I mean, there's been discussions about um, expansion of the charters, maybe 40. Uh, I mean, we used to have in the heyday of NASCAR, 50, 55 cars showing up for certain races, but generally 50 cars for 43 spots. Um, But the cars were a lot cheaper and easier to build. You'd have ARCA teams show up. You'd have Xfinity, Bush Series teams back then. Willing to do stuff, you know, I think Renzi, I remember when Bobby Hamilton Jr. uh, was driving the Marines car and he drove for Ed Renzi, who had been connected to McDonald's for decades and he had made his money there. And um, they ran a good program, but then they didn't have the financials to go and make it work. You know, in this day and age, whatever, pandemic, all these different things, there's only 36 charters. And there are certain teams that probably don't really belong out there. We got rid of a little bit of the riffraff. We still have a little bit of riffraff out there. Um, the thing is, we don't have, if Alan Neese is really serious, he's going to have to pay a lot of money. Um, and when you consider his team is basically held up, he has one really, really good truck. And he has a bunch of bride buyers um, basically financing the team. Uh, it's hard um, to go and, and finance, especially in the cup series. Um, when you consider what you're dealing with there, I know I, Oh, that's a big wreck. Okay. Yeah. So I'll let you know that, um, Haley Deegan just got right reared. And that's not the first time she's gotten right reared this week. Um, and, um, that was no lube though. Um, but, uh, that's a caution. I don't know who the heck hit her, but, uh, Haley gets to go and, uh, get into the pits and do her makeup and um yeah she can go in the pits and then you know get a head start on recording youtube yeah she can record all her her equipment i mean that's what's funny about today is like for all these like late like the female drivers because i'm a i like here's the thing i'm i i am big on supporting women racing drivers and i i mean i'm I mean, I, if, if you've listened to this show or you listen to any other content I've ever done in my life, I'm a perv by nature. I already talk about shit. I'm, I'm out front. I'll say crap that nobody else is going to say. 
I mean, the fact is she's got horse teeth just like her dad. She can't drive. Probably doesn't need to be in this series. Oh, man, Todd Bodine had cut a tire, too. I don't know who hooked her. I think uh, somebody. I don't know. But Todd Bodine had a tire going down. Uh, oh, I'm missing that. What? Did she just get loose by herself? Yeah, probably. She Danica'd herself. All right. Um, she can't blame fake tits either for that. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I mean, there's different news stories. I think the whole niece thing, it's interesting. I mean, if the charter came along, like if Rick Ware decided to get out of Cup, which I don't think he will, I think that we're getting to the point where Rick Ware is going to end up selling one of his charters um, because that's the next step, really, um, unless Stuart Haas is trying to leverage one of those to essentially have a fifth car, which, I mean, why wouldn't they? Um, I guess Max Gutierrez might have. Oh, Tony Reigns. He has Jamie Jones as his crew chief and Tony Reigns as his spotter. That's a pretty good combo. Um, and then uh, Max Gutierrez making his truck series debut. So already an upgrade in the driver's seat. And he did us a favor um, by hooking Haley <laughs> Deegan. Um, it's better than the guy who usually drives that truck. Freaking moron. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it. I think if they're, I, I don't know who was saying, I, I read it somewhere. It's like, you know, they need to go and guarantee more spots with charters. And then maybe the likes of like a car long might decide to invest in that. Maybe the likes of Nice Motorsports might invest in it. You know, if you make it reasonable, Dale Earnhardt Jr. might decide to go and get in there. That's the way to go and, and progress the sport. Um, you know, when the sport was at its best, you had 43 cars out there, more vehicles, um, with good owners out there is not a bad thing. Uh, you see IndyCar racing right now has gotten back to where they were in their heyday on road courses where they have 28 cars um, or more, um, 28 cars in on the grid. I think that tells you that the product is not a bad product. Um, but then there's, and it's very similar to what NASCAR has now with this next-gen car. Um, so... We will see um, how that goes. I mean, Hosevar is somebody who has a future for sure in this sport, um, but you don't want to rush him. You want to give him the opportunity to learn um, because you rush him, you might ruin him. Um, Joey Logano, a bunch of circumstances worked in his favor and the fact that he had just had that much talent uh, for him to end up at Penske, but it could have went really bad. Daniel Suarez has had to grind his way to where he is now um, to be at one cup win. Um, there are plenty of people like Casey Atwood, um, just as one example, and you can list the number of people that have been hurried up too quick and fried themselves um, in, in, in cup or Xfinity or whatever. It's something we have to look at for sure. Um, all right, let's do the roundup uh, before we get into uh, the Nashville triple header. The first part of it is about to be done. Uh, here soon. Um, first thing we'll get into is the um, supercars at Darwin. Uh, this past uh, weekend, they were in race one. The winner was Anton Di Pasquale for Dick Johnson Racing. One, two for Dick Johnson Racing, him and Will Davison. Shane Van Gisbergen finished third, Mostert fourth, and Andre Heimgardner fifth. And then in race two, 
saw Cam Waters get another victory. Will Davis in his second second place finish of the weekend, and Shane Van Gisbergen in second third place finish. Di Pasquale finished fourth. David Reynolds fifth, and then in race three, uh, Chaz Mostert gets a, a win. Anton Di Pasquale second. Cam Waters third. Will Davis in fourth. Andre Heimgartner fifth. In the standings right now. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen has a 120 point lead on Anton D. Pasquale and uh, Will Davison is third, Cam Waters fourth, Chaz Mostert fifth. Um, Mostert, of course, drives for Andretti, uh, but as a walk and try, Andretti United, uh, the team that's the combination of Michael Andretti, um, Zach Brown, and um, uh, Ryan Walkinshaw, who, um, of course, is moving to Ford. So essentially right now, I mean, not this year, of course, the the leader, of course, is a lead Holden team, Shane Van Gisbergen, who's going to make his rally debut here later this year. Um, he's trying he runs GT3 sports cars as well. Likely, I mean, it's going to be it's it, this past weekend has been a good weekend for the Dick Johnson racing team to give themselves a chance. Um, hopefully they'll be able to contend, but um Shane Van Gisbergen trying to get two championships in a row trying to get two consecutive Bathurst 1000s in a row um gonna be hard to beat there and his teammate Brock Feeney the high highly rated rookie taking over for Jamie Wincup the Jimmy Johnson of V8 supercars um is sixth right now in points good battle between Mostert Feeney Reynolds Brody Kostecki um, there, I brought up Bertie Kostecki earlier in regards to wanting to come back to the United States and run some road courses. Um, we'll see what happens with that. He won't be in a junior motorsports car, probably, because they have their connection with um, Miguel Paluto. Um, but there might be some other options there. Uh, there's also a deal that uh, for V8 Supercars that they'll be back at Adelaide um, next for starting this year. They'll be running the Adelaide 500 again after a one-year break or a couple of year, whatever. They're going to be back in Adelaide, the Clipsall 500. Everybody remembers the usually the opener of the season. It's ironic how that whole thing worked out. How Formula One used to run Adelaide at the end of the year, and now they're generally what has been their opener for many years became Melbourne. And then the Clipsall 500 used to be the opener in the V8 Supercars Championship, and now is going to be the closing event starting this year. Um, so it's a big uh, win for the government to go and have a big, one of the best races in Australia back um, historic race. Um, Adelaide 500 will be back to close the season. Um, Scott McLaughlin, one of my guys uh, won there multiple times, had some great battles. So it's cool to see um, that race back on the calendar. Uh Getting into the Five Flags Speedway SRX opener, a guy who wasn't scheduled to race um, ended up winning the race. His name is Elio Castro-Neves, a four-time Indy 500 winner. Um, And not only did he win that, he goes, he texted, he texted Don Hawk, to see if there was a car available because it wasn't that far of a drive for him or whatever the hell it was. Goes and decides, oh, yeah, and then they tell him, oh, yeah, there's a car. They put a 13th car in the field, and by golly, him and his him and his BFF, Tony Kanan, battled for a lot of the race. But um, in the end, Elio Castroneves 
beats a late model superstar Bubba Pollard, uh, no neck, finished third. So that's the best finish he's had in about three years. Um, then and they and we actually saw his neck in some of the opening things that they showed too. So I'm like, wow, he does have a neck. Um, Kanan, Bobby Labani, top five. Uh, Tony struggled uh, mightily. Uh, they didn't have a great draw in the first uh, race, and then he really wasn't able to do anything. Um, Willie T in the pits talking to everybody was great. Um, Paul Tracy showing his uh, man tits tells you how out of shape he is and part of his being a January 6th or whatever the hell he's doing um, shows why he shouldn't be in a race car anymore either. He sucks, and so does Michael Waltrip. Um, so that was the opening race, and the points are very confusing. Two, uh, Parker Kligerman just hit the wall. Uh, the guy in the 20, Max Gutierrez, is Max Gutierrez is making passes for position, um, after sending Haley Deegan, I guess. So that's like the best run that that 22 Austin Wayne self, whatever AM racing team has had like in years, um, mainly because probably because they have a good racing driver in there instead of Austin Wayne self, who's a freaking moron. Oh, wow. We have a real battle here. So I'm going to go before I get back into the, uh, roundup here, I'm going to try to give us the last we're heading towards the white flag, Priest is leading his pseudo teammate Zane Smith, who won the first stage. Carson Hosevar in third, uh, within three tenths of a second, coming to the white flag. So next flag ends the race. Zane Smith offers to the inside, f's up, goes and washes up high. So he's out of it. Race is likely over. He tried to go inside. Ryan Priest took the air off the front of his nose, um, blocking and. Um, Hosevar passes slid up the track. Slid up the track, so they're gonna have a battle to the line. Ryan Priest won the second stage and he wins a second consecutive race at Nashville Super Speedway. So two consecutive wins for David Gillen Racing's um star vehicle. Zane I mean, Smith gets that back whole thing and I'm still watching the last All right. lap. All right, yeah. And well, Zane gonna... Smith is second, Hosevar third, Timajeski fourth, Stewart reason fifth max gutierrez gets a top 10 in his truck series debut so austin wayne self get a clue put him in the truck you might actually get some decent finishes i mean doesn't he have uh eddie traconis as his crew chief too so eddie traconis knows how to win races so it's not an issue with the crew chief and obviously austin wayne self they got that oil they got that oil blood money so they they have the ability to go and do something they just needed a driver max gutierrez has proven once again that the d for d does work even if you ask the lcd fans and tell they tell you about how bad it is for the sport even though bubble Wallace and daniel suarez and instant roger caruth Kyle Larson, well, yeah, he became a Jap. He became a he. Be, everyone he they started referencing him being half Jap, uh, so he could get a NASCAR career. But it's true. That's that's the only reason he has a NASCAR career because he um, said, "Oh, I have Japanese heritage." I mean, he does. And, um, he does. It's yeah. true. It's very true. But he he would have never been there. And then Ganassi liked him because he thought he probably could put him in IndyCar, and he might have been in IndyCar, but he's better on ovals anyway. I mean, last year you won on everything. I am going to oh. jump ahead to the truck preview really quick and say that I pick Ryan Priest to win. <laughs> That's no, no. How'd you know? 
<laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, go and go and we we make like these uh, bold predictions on the F one cron- uh, on the on the Grid Talk podcast. I'd I'd rather you to went. Oh, Ryan Priest is going to be in the ten car next year, which isn't that much of a shock either. Um, but you know that's better. So I'll do that since Ryan Priest has already won. Uh, Ryan Priest is going to be in the 10 car next year. Um, I think a lot of people already know that anyway, but because um, he's a Kevin Harvick um, incorporated athlete or whatever the hell they call him because they're managed by Delana. Um, he's the main person managed by Delana, uh, along with O. Richard and amongst other people too. So uh, Priest, Priest is, uh, gets another dub for the 17. I wonder how that works in regards to the – um oh so he gets to will he run it that's interesting he is so they have to put him in the truck at mid ohio here in a few weeks they can go after the triple truck uh second race and triple truck challenge they should uh he ain't a bad road racer either um, that'd be a hundred thousand dollars it'd be good probably 20 25 to thirty thousand probably in his pocket and then seventy thousand to david gillen racing so that's something they have to look at um so that's interesting. Um, I guess we'll throw to you, Joe, here. Let's get your uh, initial takeaway since we don't even have to do a truck preview anymore because that happened um, uh, since uh, he put Ryan. Uh, David Gillen knows how to go and find them. He knows how to find them stars. Uh, he does. The ones that I don't mean, bring the, that don't bring the money. The ones that actually are, are actually talented. Uh, he knows how to put them in their in, in, a, in a good equipment. Yeah, that, and he that's made not, one of them too. Yeah, that's, so that's going to be two in a row for that seventeen truck. Two different drivers uh, for David Gilliland Racing uh, now with two wins. So I definitely think it goes to show that their equipment is probably where it needs to be to be competitive on the week to week. And uh, you know, I, I I think yeah, I I think it's probably the worst kept secret that Ryan Priest is going to be in the ten car next year. I would be shocked if anything else happened. I don't have any other type of indication that anything else would happen. I mean, he signed on as a, uh, a, a, a Stuart Haas racing development driver, which is a deal that I don't really ever know. We've seen like anything else where he's going to run a few races in cup with uh, Ford and the 15 at Rick Ware, uh, basically a car that in some capacity has help from Stuart Haas racing, uh, running a few Xfinity races in cars that are affiliated with Stuart Haas Racing and running in trucks that I believe do get help from Stuart Haas Racing. So, uh, you know, he's basically when he's out there and he's racing, he's racing Stuart Haas equipment, essentially. Um, So it it shouldn't be a surprise that he's able to run up front the way he is. But he's been impressive in in the races that he's been in Xfinity running the five. I know he hasn't had some great luck on that side. Um, You know, he was looking like he was going to be pretty promising the Coke 600 earlier this year, had some trouble there. Um, but in the trucks, he's really shined. Um, you know, he, he's got history with Gibbs. He was able to win in Xfinity, uh, has few win trucks. So, I mean, it, it shouldn't really be a secret that his talent is there. He just needs to be in the right equipment to do it. Um, you know, I, I, if, if anything happens where he's not in the 10 next year, I'll be stunned. I mean, I, I really don't even see another option other than Stuart Haas giving up that charter, which I don't see happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. So my two picks, uh, I'm going to be pretty proud of myself here. My two picks were going to be, 
the the 17 and the 38 who finished one two and i was thinking about picking uh carson hosevar i know sometimes we do the uh the, the dark horses i don't necessarily know he's a dark horse at this point because he is he's right on the cusp of getting that first win but great given his poor luck and his poor finishes that haven't reflected how well he's run um i thought he would have been a justifiable dark horse so uh, i'm pretty happy the three people i was debating between picking finished one two three so i feel pretty smart for the time being but uh, i don't know if i'll feel smart tomorrow or on monday uh, because i don't expect them to race sunday but uh yeah what sunday there's rain is it- yeah it sunday looks really bad i've been following the forecast um now nashville does have lights you don't have to ask bob hawkers because nashville does have lights if you watch the race tonight then hopefully you know that um but yeah the weather for um uh, for sunday does not look good they're talking about scattered thunderstorms uh throughout pretty much the entire day now because they are scattered maybe they don't necessarily affect nashville um or at least not for as long of a time um but I, I definitely, the, the forecast, it just doesn't seem promising. They're talking about a high of 93 degrees uh, and isolated thunderstorms uh, throughout the later morning and into the day. Um, and then, in fact, it, have it a goes, late start, though. I know, but it's still, I mean, 75% chance of rain uh, at night. Um, definitely cooler, 70 degrees will be much more tolerable for the fans who go out to the racetrack rather than sitting in the night, the, probably that muggy 93 degrees. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely, and, and you know, I'll, I'll talk about this more later on because I'm sure we're going to talk more about the cup race, but I could definitely see this if they are able to start on Sunday. Uh, I think it's at best going to be a race to halfway or a race to, you know, your Monday morning starting position. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, for sure, but, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with that for, you know, practice. Bubba Wallace uh, was fastest there. Uh, We'll get into that um, in a little bit. But, you know, the truck race was not that interesting. Uh, The Two guys that were really up front did what they did. So, you know, we'll see how, but then it is National Super Speedway. Hopefully the Gen 7 will provide a better product. Uh, We will see on that. Uh, The points in the Camping World SRX, Tony Kanan and Ryan Newman are tied for the points lead. Bobby Labonte is third. Marco Andretti is fourth. And then it's a three-way tie for fifth between Tony Stewart, Greg Biffle, and Bill Elliott. Ernie Francis isn't going to run the whole season. He's um, an Indy Lights driver, and I think he still dovetails his Trans Am deal as well. Um, So he won't be a full-season driver. Um, But they'll be racing at South Boston Speedway um, tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk about that on the next episode of the uh, GSP. What happens there? We'll see if Tony Stewart can uh, come back and do something there. Uh, getting into MotoGP, the German Grand Prix, Fabio Quattararo gets another victory um, by just under five seconds over Johan Zarco and Jack Miller finishes third, so two Ducatis. And then there was four Ducatis out of the top six, both Pramac bikes, Luca Marini, Finished fifth. Alicia Spargaro um, finished fourth for Aprilia. A lot of news coming out of the MotoGP paddock uh, this weekend. There's uh, They had practice at Assen in the rain 
which was uh, pretty insane to see. Um, Alex Rins looks like he's going to be signing a factory Honda contract to join LCR. So they're, uh, their um, customer team and they'll get it. He'll get a brand new bike next year. That's the difference in why he's signing with them relative to Ducati. He wasn't going to be able to get a brand new bike. Suzuki definitely is out of uh, racing next year. Um, Alex Marquez is going to be going to Grassini to replace Fabio DG Antonio, which doesn't seem like a great move. For them, I think Grassini would have been better off keeping DG Antonio because um, he's done a good job for them and he's qualified on poles. And um, I don't know. I don't know if that that really is logical, but who knows? Um, Aprilia situation, it looks like they're going to take over the second team, the second, the customer team, the Patronus Yamaha team that uh, Valentino Rossi raced with till the end, till the end of his career became the, uh, I don't know who the hell sponsors them now, but they suck. And now they're going to be an Aprilia customer team. That looks like a team that's going to have some uh, changes in regards to who's going where. Um, and, uh, Joanne Mir is also going to go to, uh, the Repsol Honda team to be Mark Marquez's teammate. And then Polis Pargo is going to go to tech three KTM and then, uh, to return to the KTM fold after being part of the, um, Red Bull, uh, program prior Red Bull KTM program prior. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. In regards to MotoGP, and um, we'll see what happens with all of that uh, as the uh, year goes on. Six hours at the Glen uh, this weekend, one of the big races in uh, sports cars. Um, you know, the MSR Acura team uh, sees Tom Blomquist and the Daytona 24 hour winning uh, Meyer Shank Racing number 60 car uh, lead. Uh, practice over the the number ten Konica Minolta or um I mean the zero one uh, Ganassi Cadillac of Renger Van de Zanda and Sebastian Bourdais and then the Konica Minolta Acura of Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque is your top three and then the um, number thirty one of uh, Olivier Pla Pippo Durrani. And Mike Conway was fourth, and Earl Bamba, Alex Lynn fifth, Tristan Vautier, Richard Westbrook, and Loic Duval rounds out um, the top six. Then you have LMP2s. The the 48 cars there this weekend with uh, Jimmy Johnson, Mike Rockefeller, and Kamui Kobayashi. They struggled in practice a little bit, uh, finished 12th behind the Montoyas. Juan Pablo Montoya and his son Sebastian and Hendrick Henman in the LMP2. Looks like it's going to be an interesting race there. The LMP category is very close. Ben Keating coming off of uh, winning Lamar uh, a week or so last week uh, leads in the LMP2 class in number 52 wins car. And then uh, Ferrano, Rui Andrade, Louis Delatraz right behind him. The um, Aero Motorsport car of Bomarito, Thomas, and Pearson, and so there. It it looks like a good battle. LMP3, the uh, Core Autosport Group with Colin Braun, John Bennett, 
uh, leads that in GTD Pro. That's interesting. GTD actually leads uh, over the GTD Pro. So that's uh, the Mike Skeen, Stephen McAleer, Dirk Muller, Mercedes is the fastest GTD car um, and the fastest GT car um, over the uh, John Potter, Spencer Pumpally, um, Andy Lally car. And um, I'm forgetting what team they are now off the top of my head. Um, and then the, Ac- the Lexus of uh, Frankie Montecalvo, Aaron Tielitz, and Richard Highstand, et cetera, et cetera. 48 car field uh, for this weekend's uh, six hours at the Glen, one of the great sports car races that exists. Um, and that comes off the um, announcement. There's two announcements. One is the uh, Porsche 963 uh, was debuted here at uh, Goodwood in England uh, this today, actually. And um, they made their first run with it. It's a cool looking car. It's nice to see. Um, very sleek, uh, very efficient looking. Beautiful. The lights look kind of weird. Yeah, it's a lights look weird. Color schemes kind of like off-putting, but I like the whole 963 thing. Uh, basically, going in referencing the old 962 and 956 and all the other number deals that they have going on. So, in regards to uh, Felipe Nazar and Dane Cameron are going to be a part of their program, and I assume they're going to be racing in America. Um, Andre Lauderer, Kevin Estra, Michael Christensen, Lawrence Vantor, Matt Campbell, and Matthew Jaminet, who I think for the exception of Andre Lauderer, all the rest of them are were running the GT program um, in the Porsche 911. Lauderer, of course, was running Formula E after the 919 program ended. So he's going to move back into the prototype category. So... Um, there's going to be an, another two names. So, I mean, Nazar and Cameron are announced for the Penske U.S. program, and then those six drivers are part of the um, championship for the World Endurance Championship. Uh, so that's um, interesting how, the, how all that will work, um, which is cool. It's going to add to the LM. It's going to add to the hypercar LMDH situation. Um, make it a little more competitive, I think, which will be nice to see relative to what we have at the moment, which is a Toyota uh, benefit at the moment. Um, we'll see how all that works out. We'll see how it goes at Daytona because, um, you know, Dane Cameron and Felipe Nazar are going to be here, but they still need four other teammates to race uh, the uh, Rolex 24 if not more, who knows how that works. I think it's definitely three drivers each. Um, Then there's also the news. Another sports car uh, person, somebody who's been involved in uh, IMSA, running in GTD category, tell Bechtelsheimer has bought Lola. So, you know, the Lola name, an IndyCar with their great chassis back in the day, Lola in sports cars with their... um, you know, the LMP2 cars, he's a British based, uh, he's from US, but he's from Britain, buying the Lola, buying Lola, uh, and trying to bring them back. 
It's going to be a great name, a name that's won Indy 500s, won Daytona's, won a lot of places. Lola's been involved um, in Formula One back in the day. Everyone knows about the 97 disaster, which basically killed them, killed the team or killed the company. But they were saved and then they went into um, uh, they went into um, administration in 2012. Uh, but it looks like uh, Bechtel Shire is trying to go and save the company, bring them back and hopefully have a presence not only in in uh, in the world, but I mean, in the United States, but the world. So that's something we'll get to look at. I think that's a huge news story. Um, great chassis builder or manufacturer got good people over the years have pled plenty of great things have come out of there i mean of course carl haas uh was their distributor um back for many years in um indycar uh, of course with the andretti's when they had newman haas racing so i think that's a big piece to get into as well something that we'll probably see it won't be for a while they're um uh, coming back into the play, but I think it's a good news story nonetheless. Um, Rally Kenya was uh, is going on right now, and uh, they've already ran the first day of the stages. Uh, as it stands right now, Cali Rovampera, of course, is the runaway points leader in the um, rally, in World Rally Championship, and at the moment... As it stands, he leads the overall. St- he led. Um, he leads overall. Or no, that's yeah. He leads overall uh, by. I'm trying to go and scroll here. Sebastian Loeb won a stage earlier. Uh, you have both Sebastian Loeb and Sebastian Ogier in this uh, rally. You know, Ogier had issues. It looks like um, who also said he wasn't going to be running. Uh, the rest of the uh, LMP2 season World Endurance Championship. So that's an interesting uh, piece there. Rovampera leads Efren Evans, uh, his teammate, by 22.4 seconds. Otanek in a Hyundai is 25.3 seconds back in third. Katsuda in the uh, third Toyota is fourth. Thierry Neuville in a Hyundai is fifth. Ogier, oh, my fault. I didn't see him. Okay. Ogier uh, is two minutes, two and 2.08 back in sixth. Oliver Solberg, seventh. Sean Johnston, the American, is running in the top 10 in a Citroen. Okay. So there you go. But then there's a couple of uh, Fords behind him uh, there. And then, yeah, there's three Fords behind him. So be hard for him to go and keep that position. Bunch of Indian Driver. I didn't know there was all these Indian drivers in the world, really. Look at that. And then Sebastian Loeb has uh, had issues. He won a stage, but he's literally a half hour behind at the moment in the uh, Safari Rally. Uh, we'll get into it. Um, we'll get into it more. Yeah, bat- uh, so he had an issue with a battery and, and uh, engine fire and, um, just before service. So that's interesting. Unfortunate for him, winner of the uh, Rally Monte Carlo at the start of the year, showing off how he's one of the greatest ever. We'll tell you about it in episode 121 of the GSP, what happens with that. Um, 
that's not a triple header anymore. It's a double header since the truck race happened live while we were doing this show and we already kind of went and gave you your gave us thoughts like we don't have the points or any i mean i can check jay ski while we're talking i'll go and um uh get into some of that stuff or we'll go and bring up some of that information but i guess um let's go with you josh i mean let's get into the picks we can we can start talking about what are what are we looking at we had a break of course last week for father's day and nbc has the u.s open so they weren't going to go and preempt the u.s open golfer um nascar um nashville super speedway first time for the gen 7 car on the cup side there um so that'll be an interesting dynamic xfinity series race there last year um you know and and uh we saw I don't even really remember anything from the Xfinity race. Honestly, I don't really remember much of anything that happened in regards to uh, that national weekend because it was pretty um, pretty boring. Um, truck race proof of that, really. Uh, you have in regards to this um, weekend, uh, this weekend right now, in regards to the. Uh, practice bring up practice speeds for the two races before we kind of get into more discussion um xfinity saw sheldon creed uh new dad so congrats to him and his his um his uh significant other i forget who i think sheldon creed's um girlfriend is like the daughter of some racer i i forget but um they just had their first child, so congrats to him. Uh, recently, uh, they're um, by just under two-tenths over A.J. Allmendinger. Gagson, Hemrick, Yaley, J.J. Yaley, um, top five. Kyle Weatherman, showing that when you actually put somebody in the um, Jesse Uwuji car that actually can drive, um, it's up front. Ty Gibbs, Trevor Bain, Justin Allgaier, Ryan Priest driving for um bj mcclaude um in the number five car sam Mayer, and then uh tyler reddick uh your top 12 in regards to your 10 lap pace the top five drivers are almondinger gibbs priest hemrick and gregson um creed was sixth in that um list and then there's 41 cars for 38 spots so there is a little bit of intrigue in regards to qualifying and trying to go and make the show we'll see what happens with that tomorrow afternoon uh barry was only 20th in practice so a little bit of a struggle for him stefan parsons uh top half of the field result driving for alpha prime in his first race for them so that's cool to see um running off of uh, his dad doing a hit on the D DJD uh, Bubba Wallace led uh, the practice in uh, his number 23 Toyota. Kyle Busch was second uh, by 14 hundredths of a second for fast lap. Tyler Reddick third, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Kurt Busch, uh, William Byron, top five, Kurt Busch, Ross Chastain, Dave, or Dave Blaney, Ryan Blaney, uh, Fastest Ford, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex. So it looks like a Toyota benefit. You have all, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six Toyotas in the top 11, which um, kind of goes back to the whole Kansas Speedway thing a uh, few um, weeks ago when, uh, of course, Kurt Busch won. Uh, 
that the, the Toyotas have a great um, product on um, one and a half mile racetracks, even though they're concrete. Uh, the Chevys, RCR connected Chevys are also up there. Reddick is third, Dylan, Eric Jones up there. Then you have Hendrick cars. Um, Larson, of course, dominated last year's race. Um, and you have Byron, uh, Bowman. The only one that's kind of held down there is Chase Elliott. Uh, Bowman's 15, Suarez, and Ross Jastain showing once again what's uh, uh, how good uh, Trackhouse has been this year in one of their theoretical home races um, since there's a lot of connections to Nashville with them. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's that was practice there in terms of that. They only have 36 cars. All the chartered cars are here. Bubba Wallace is the fastest driver, 10-lap average. Larson, Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, and Denny Hamlin are your top five, um, all over 159 miles an hour. I think shifting is going to play a big part. Um, so, you know, look, and I mean, Tyler Reddick even shifted and broke a transmission. So he's going to be going to tailback um, tomorrow. So um, that'll be interesting to see Tyler Reddick, of course, who won at Texas earlier this year in the Xfinity Series for the um, 48 team there um, for for Scott Borchetta and Big Machine Racing, uh, trying to go and win a home game there for them. So I guess let's go to you, Josh. Tell us what you're thinking in regards to Nashville, uh, what we've already seen, what we look to see in regards to these the Cup and Xfinity program and some of your picks. And then I'm going to let Joe go do his thing and then i'll go and kick in here yeah i mean i think uh for you know this race it's uh gonna be interesting because um you know last year we was a bit of a surprise uh, with how it raced it seemed like it was a lot wider than than uh, what people expected but you know i think um this year uh we'll see how it races with the new car um i think uh in cup series we'll probably have a you know probably a lot of passing i think um well uh, but I think the shifting is probably going to play a role into it because it seems like the more shifting we've done, it seems like there hasn't been as much passing. I mean, take uh, Gateway, for example. Um, you really had to generate a run uh, in turn three and four uh, to get, you know, pass uh, down, you know, into turn one and two. And then on the other end, uh, be able to put together good turn one and two to be able to get into three and four. And then you know, we saw the slide job that, you know, Joe Logano did to win that race. And then Kyle Busch tried to do the same thing. And then and it failed, and Joey Logano was able to uh, win the race that way uh, in Gateway. And I think we're probably going to see something similar. Drivers trying to dive bomb into one of the corners at uh, Nashville and see you know see that happen and slide up into the uh, or next to the wall, kind of like what we saw. Uh, you know, in the truck race that has just ended uh, not too long ago, uh, Zane Smith tried to make a pass onto Ryan Priest in, into turn one and uh, got the air taken away and slid up into, uh, you know, right next to the wall. Didn't hit the wall, but, you know, he's able to recover. Uh, he got passed by uh, Ross Chastain or, or by uh, Carson Hosevar, confusing the two there. But, you know, Carson Hosevar passed him on the backstretch and then, uh, Zane Smith was able to kind of take back that uh, position through three and four and then beat him back to the line to take second. Uh, so, you know, we'll see there uh, what that looks like. I think it's going to be kind of similar to that. Uh, of course, um, probably Xfinity series, um, maybe a little bit different with the lower downforce, more horsepower package there. And plus, uh, 
tires are a little bit different. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that affects the, the racing with the different tire between the cup series and then Xfinity and truck, uh, yeah, racing it and with the different compounds and everything. So, you know, we'll see how that affects it. But, um, I think, um, you know, Bubba Wallace, you know, if he's able to continue his, um, momentum from practice uh into this weekend you know he could be a front runner and i think it's going to be looking like another weekend where we see uh toyota run up front for most of the race uh you know the joe gives four racing cars along with uh the 2311 team kerbush and or yeah kerbush and bubba wallace so it's going to look like a toyota heavy day uh along with probably at least two or three of the uh, hendrick motorsports cars on sunday so probably yeah expect one of those cars um i'll probably I think for the Cup Series, uh, I'll probably pick uh, Kyle Busch uh, to win this race. Um, I think um, you know he's got a lot of experience. Of course, won the Xfinity race here last year for his uh, 100th win. So definitely think um, you know one, it's going to be one of those Toyotas, and think uh, Kyle Busch probably pulls it out here and wins at Nashville uh, this weekend. Think uh, Wild Card. Of course, I'm going to go with uh, Bubba Wallace. Uh, I do think you know he's. This is going to be a weekend kind of similar to Kansas where they are running up top 10, top five. Um, as long as they can put a full race together, I think should expect him to finish, uh, you know, within that, uh, within that range, get a, a top five or a top 10, uh, in that car. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, I think in Xfinity, um, you know, the 54 car won last year with Kyle Busch driving now being full-time driven by, uh, Ty Gibbs. You know, I think it's going to be a, interesting aspect there i think you know ty's probably due for a win hasn't won in a while and now finally uh you know maybe he can win this weekend so gonna roll with uh, ty gibbs there uh, do you think uh justin algar probably will be a contender finished second in this race last year and you know he, overall you know he de- definitely uh tends to be a, really good on the concrete tracks so um, look out for him as well to be a contender in the top five uh there so uh it's gonna be interesting you know weekend with the two races left in the triple header of course the first one already being completed during the recording of the show but um you know, it's going to be interesting. We can uh, racing sure with uh, the Ally 400 on deck on Sunday, and then uh, the uh, well, I'm about to pull the race name up Tennessee Lottery 250 on Saturday for Xfinity. So uh, a lot of good racing uh, to be had here for sure. Yeah, I I think actually you you pretty much hit almost every nail on the head. Um, I, I I like your picks for for both Xfinity and for Cup, and in fact, you stole my two cup picks so thanks josh now i gotta i gotta find new people um although that shouldn't be too hard to find so, <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it's we'll start with xfinity i guess for me so just looking at the practice sheet first off i'm really impressed with sheldon creed this weekend um i feel like i shouldn't be impressed i feel like i should expect him to run up front more but he's had a rough season he's been involved in a lot of accidents um some not necessarily of his own doing. He's just been kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, it's good to see that team show a little bit of speed. There was a lot of hype at the end of last year um, when they announced that he would be moving into Xfinity. In fact, I was at the Roval. Uh, I was pretty much five feet from Richard Childress when they made that announcement. So uh, that was really cool. 
And there was, I remember that day in particular, there was so much hype, a lot of people really excited and he's been underperforming truthfully. So, um, maybe this weekend will be the start of his, uh, resurgence back towards the top of, uh, a series. And, um, I think AJ Allmendinger sort of becoming all reliable at this point, very much like Justin Allgaier. Um, you expect him to run well, looks like he's got a good car colleague, prepped him a good car this weekend. Uh, and Noah Gregson, you know, uh, I, I talked at the top of the show, wasn't really sure, you know, the past few races been a little rough for him. Maybe he's one of the next guys who moves into cup. This is the type of run now. Again, this is just practice. A lot can happen. But this is the type of run that I would expect from him on the weekend and week out. Very similar to how he started the season real quick in practice. Uh, third on the overall chart, pretty good with the lap averages. And I think this type of track, uh, roughly the size of a mile and a half, this one is a little bit smaller at 1.33 miles, um, I, for some reason just really seems to suit his style. I don't know what it is because he's gone to multiple very different 1.5 mile racetracks and has been good at pretty much all of them. Um, you know, we had a, a handful of great races at Homestead that, uh, just got away from him many times. Um, had some good races at Texas. Uh, believe he had a good one in Atlanta, uh, at some point, but, um, you know, th this race to me, there's something about it that just says no Gregson. Um, and then, like you said, Allgaier and Gibbs, I have my eyes on them. Um, Allgaier, you know, all reliable, uh, as I've referred to him before, as I just referred to Almondinger, um, you know, seems to run really well on concrete, uh, really good at Dover. This is, uh, I know a very different track, but associated in the fact that they were both owned by Dover Motorsports and bought out by SMI, um, and now, uh, similar surfaces or they were similar surfaces before, but now owned by SMI, uh, and Ty Gibbs, like you said, I think he hit that one head on as well. Just kind of overdue for a win. He's been running well, uh, has kind of faded to the, to the, uh, back half of the top 10 since we uh, last saw him win, but uh, still definitely I would expect him to be really good, especially knowing that that 54 car did win this race last year. Uh, Bain is the other driver I have my eye on. Bain has been running really good in the races that he's been in that number 18. He's back again this weekend, uh, was eighth in the overall uh, practice uh, finish standings, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's shown a lot of speed in the races that he's been there. So uh, don't be surprised if you see Trevor Bain run at the front at any point during the race. Um, I, you know, I know he's got experience here. He, uh, he ran back in the heyday when Xfinity was still running here, uh, before they, uh, left Nashville, um, back in, uh, the early 2010s, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, so I know he's got some experience here that could definitely come into play, uh, especially because there are a lot of drivers in this field who haven't run too many races here. Um, you know, as far as picks go, uh, I'm going to go with actually Noah Gregson, um, as sort of the favorite. I think he is trying to claw his way back into victory lane. I know it's only been a few races, but he's had a few rough races, uh, in the time since he last won, uh, very much like Ty Gibbs. But uh, I, I just, I don't know, there's something about this track that to me just says Noah Gregson. Um, and uh, as far as a dark horse, I'm actually going to go with the guy who won practice. I know, you know, if a few years ago you were talking about Sheldon Creed being a dark horse when he was in the trucks with GMS. Uh, I would have said that's not a dark horse. <laughs> um, but, you know, given again, he's just not had a great year. He's been underperforming, uh, mixed in with just being caught in some incidents that really weren't anything to his doing. Uh, you know, to see him run, uh, 
really fast times is a good sign i think for that rcr bunch and i think you uh maybe if he's able to qualify well maybe he can stay up there and uh give some of the regular contenders a run for their money so i'll go with those two guys noah gregson as the favorite and sheldon creed as my dark horse now uh moving into the cup side of the operation um you know just looking at the practice speeds unfortunately i missed practiced earlier i had some errands to run and uh was not able to watch but again i, I think josh you hit it right on the head this is shaping up to be uh, a lot and phil you said it too a lot to be very much like kansas uh toyotas look really fast six in the top 11 and uh only six in the entire field so when you're, you're when your six are pretty much in the top uh 25 percent really in the top 20 percent uh you know you're running pretty good um i think bubba really probably could have been there at uh at kansas his pit crew took him out of it his pit crew's been a, a huge problem and honestly i think that might be the only thing that's holding him back from finishing top five uh more often quite honestly and even top 10 more often um that pit crew's got to get their stuff together if they're able to do that i expect him to be really well off here i'm really encouraged by the speed that they're showing um because of course you know one of the things i was saying preseason and in fact i think when we had the daytona 500 preview show i think i said this on that show that you know, it wasn't necessarily a good look if you have a guy like Kurt Busch come in uh, first year in this operation and kind of show you up. Um, but I will be honest, even though Kurt's got that win, you know, Bubba's been silently improving throughout the course of this season. And again, I don't necessarily think his finishes are reflective of uh, where he's run in certain races. Um, Kansas especially being a perfect example of that. So uh, very encouraged by that. It does seem like I think... You know, Toyota's had a, a better program as of recent races on the mile and a half. Chevrolets have sort of dominated on other tracks. Ford started off strong. They've been struggling, uh, you know, not since Chase Briscoe won his last race because Briscoe's had a few good runs, but it just seems like the Ford camp kind of comes in and out, right? And, and I know more recently they've been a little bit better. Logano got his second win of the year by uh, getting Gateway and uh, Blaney won the all-star race. So they're definitely improving, and I see Blaney as the first Ford here in practice in eighth. Um, but again, it's just they're not—they're still not running super consistent. Where I'm really comfortable saying, yeah, this Ford driver is going to win. Um, I like seeing Tyler Reddick up at the front, and I like seeing uh, who was it that I noticed that was looking uh, a little bit better. Um, oh, all right, uh, scratch that. But I like seeing Reddick. And Bubba, you know, you got to keep your, your head in it. Right now, we have 12 winners. We still have 10 races before the playoffs kick in. And that's a lot of time to get four different winners. Um, you know, it, it we have Bubba has not won a race. Tyler Reddick has not won a race. Uh, uh, Ryan Blaney in eighth uh, has not won a race. Truex. So four out of your top 10 in practice. And if you want to go one further, five out of your top 11, six out of your top 12, Seven out of your top 13 in practice have not won a race in 2022. So uh, but definitely potential to get a new winner this weekend. Uh, I won't say that all of them, right? Looks like Truex, I think he's seventh in points. Blaney is uh, fourth or fifth or sixth or something in points. So those two winning wouldn't necessarily have a, a super huge impact on the playoff picture. But if you have a guy like Tyler Reddick who... Uh, you know, after last week is is out of the playoffs. He started that race in the playoffs. He's now out of the playoffs. I believe 36 points is his deficit. Bubba Wallace is a little bit farther back. 
and uh, you know guys like that that would make a big difference I mean you're talking about in points right now Kevin Harvick is the first driver uh, out of the playoffs he's 12th in the overall points so that means the top 11 and five others behind 12th are your 16 playoff drivers now that leads into another conversation that I'm not going to get into about the playoffs but uh, it's definitely an an interesting dynamic this year Um, this is by far to my memory under this system the most scattered year we've had as far as people and points and into the playoffs as of now Um, so definitely look for new guys like Redick and Bubba to win and possibly that being their ticket into the playoffs Um, but also I think you know, you would be silly to bet against someone like Kyle Busch, who has so much experience here in uh, in trucks, in cup, and, well, not in cup, they've only won their own race, but trucks and Xfinity, a ton of experience, tons of wins, um, and, of course, last year uh, performed very well throughout the first and part of the second stage and kind of fell off after that. So um, definitely look for those guys. I'm going to say my favorite to win this race. I'm, I'm only, I was going to pick Kyle Busch. However, in light of Josh picking Kyle Busch, I feel like I need to pick someone different. I'm going to go ahead and pick Ross Chastain. He finished second in this race last year and had a really good run at the end of the race. Uh, He's someone where this type of track, it's really slick, a lot of rubber um, getting put down and then sucked up by the tires back under caution. Uh, Something about it just really suits him. I, I... you know, he's aggressive, he's willing to throw that out and get it a little loose into the corner, he's willing to make that bold move, um, and I think that's something that definitely benefited him last year in this race, so I'm going to pick him as my favorite, I think, uh, especially, you know, with Trackhouse coming to uh, where some of their operations are located out of, there's extra incentive for them to get either Chastain or Suarez in victory lane, especially coming off of a good race with Suarez at Sonoma. Um, as far as my dark horse pick, I really, uh, and again, I, I would go with Bubba Wallace. I think he's a great pick, Josh. Um, but again, just to uh, to keep it interesting, make it different, I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. He's someone we know who's hungry for that first win. He's been struggling the past few weeks. He's had a, a few issues that really haven't necessarily been you know, his fault uh, at Sonoma. He had a mechanical issue, uh, one of a few that have plagued that number eight team this season. So I think if they can get that together, uh, Reddick has been relatively good with uh, the shifting. It seems like he's one of the more consistent drivers when it comes to the tracks where they shift. Um, and that goes all the way back to when they were racing at the Coliseum and shifting in the Clash. So uh, this could definitely play in a Reddick's favor, especially he, him, much like Chastain, very aggressive. He's willing to kind of throw the car out there, try the different lines, and be a little bit loose. Um, and, you know, given that this is a, a pretty slick track under the sun, um, now we might not have the sun for the Cup Series race unless they run it on Monday, then the sun might be out. But I think it uh, it definitely plays in Reddick's favor. So I'll go with those two guys, Chastain and Reddick. Um, just another few notes that I want to hit before I throw it back to you, Phil. Um, last year, we had a really dominant race. Kyle Larson led 264 of 300 laps. I don't necessarily know that we'll see that again this year. It seems like the Gen 7 car uh, has not really lent itself to that type of domination so far this year. Uh, last year, brakes were a big issue. Uh, you know, this is a flatter track. It's only 14 degrees uh, on average last year from a few onboards that I watched yesterday. Seems like cars were going into the corners between 
100 175 uh give or take a few miles an hour on either end given how old the tires were and it seemed like they were going down to 120 to 125 uh low speed in the corner so that's a big difference i mean that's almost the same amount of difference you'd see at richmond or uh, new hampshire so there's definitely a possibility that uh brakes are an issue tomorrow last year brian blaney had a brake rotor explode justin haley had a rotor explode um and then there were other drivers uh, stenhouse had some brake shakes so. risco had brake issues too yeah, when he was running Brisco he came also. up to the top five yeah so definitely look for them that uh tires you know i i feel like i've said it more this season then uh you know i i really don't know about the goodyear tires they are again new tire this year um last year tires didn't seem to be too much of an issue and at dover uh the last concrete track we ran at tires also didn't seem to be too much of an issue so i don't know that i'm super concerned but definitely something to watch and last year too fuel mileage finish this track given the way the stages are 90 95 and 115 could lend itself to a fuel mileage finish depending on when drivers decide to pit and how cautions fall throughout the last runs of the race. So uh, just a few things to keep in mind this race weekend. Hopefully we'll race on Sunday for Cup, 5 p.m. start time scheduled. However, with a 75% chance of rain, I really don't know that that's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that um, in regards to uh, the race on Sunday. I mean, you guys picked a bunch of good ones. Um, I'll go quick here uh, because we've been on for a while. Got some other stuff going on. I've got work tomorrow, unfortunately, too. Um, so we'll just go and blame that. Uh, for me, I'm going to go and pick AJ Allmendinger to win uh, tomorrow's race in the Xfinity series. It just seems like his kind of track. Um, I mean, Creed's one of my, I've been a fan of Sheldon Creed going back to his stadium super truck days me and adam he was in sheldon creed mark and he got me on him he's like little robbie gordon um now that he's a dad um i just thought about it and remembered his his girlfriend fiance whatever the hell they are is phil parson's daughter so now we got another thing that connected all that so yeah so um phil parson's uh granddad uh I think that's part of what's getting him going and making him run faster because he's like, God dang it, I have to buy diapers and all kinds of other stuff because baby stuff and formula and all that costs a lot of money. Uh, so uh, Sheldon Creed trying to go and get that first Xfinity win, get himself locked into the playoffs because he needs it. Uh, his point situation is really bad. Um, if he can go and win, he's okay. Um, that's essentially his only way in at the moment. Um, if he can go and do that. So uh, I think, uh, I mean, Austin Hill's kind of fallen off too, to be fair. The RCR program has not been as consistent as um, other years, but then two rookies from the truck series, um, Austin Hill's really only shown on the super speedways, hasn't done really much anything anywhere else, really. Um, Sheldon Creed hasn't really done crap anywhere. Uh, so if he can go out there and win, back himself into the playoff and they can go and work on stuff. Him and Jeff Stankovitz have a way of making it happen. They've done it in ARCA. They've done it in trucks. I figure they'll do it in RCR equipment as well. But I honestly think AJ Allmendinger, the points leader uh, right now by 43 points, trying to get those 15 playoff points. He's going to go out there, win a race for um, colleague in regards to the, uh, 
Ally 400 coming up, hopefully on Sunday. Who knows? If it's on Monday, it's good for me because I'll be home anyway. Um, you know, I, I mean, guys brought up some good ones. I'm I'm going to hedge. I'm going to hedge with a Toyota, and I'm going to hedge with uh, Kurt Busch. I'll take Kurt Busch to get his second win of the year. Um, we'll, we'll go and have another two-time winner this year. And all the maggot morons that hate uh, Bubba Wall say, oh, this, I, this guy went and won two races in your same cars. Like, the guy's got 21 years of fucking cup experience. He's figured out a way to napalm himself out of two of the biggest teams in the sport. I think he knows what the hell he's doing. And he has a crew chief that he's buddies with, and they brought this whole team together because I don't know how the hell he was somehow or another able to get Billy Scott and all these other people together that he's already, well, those guys were all, a lot of them were the one team. There's some people that were one team or whatever. I mean, come on. Uh, Kurt Busch Busch, uh, knows what he's doing. I think it'd be interesting. Um, I honestly want to see, and I think Tyler Reddick, I was going to say Tyler Reddick's a wild card and Bubba's a wild card. Um, to be interesting, uh, and to make it worthwhile, uh, for the, for the segment itself. I mean, I, I think Reddick or Bubba have a great chance of winning on, on Sunday or Monday or whenever the hell it happens. Um, Reddick is due. Um, Briscoe sent him to the moon, so he should have a win already. Uh, but, um, in fact, the matter is if Bubba wins, it'll be, it'll be good. Um, because they need that W for sure. Um, they've struggled. They've a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Um, Tyler Reddick um, is due, and I think he's going to win a race. Both of them, I think, are going to win a race in these last 10 races. Where, when, I don't know, but I think both of them are going to win a race, and we're going to get to the point where we need, you need a win to get in, which is what NASCAR wants. Um, Joe and I had that discussion offline. Um, I'm going to pick, uh, as a wild card, I'm going to go pick Eric Almirola. Qualified on pole last year in this race in the Gen 6 car. Had a good car once he lost track position. Still was up there, top 5, top 10, most of the day. Um, it's a track that seems to suit Eric Almirola's style. And um, it's his last year. What the fuck? It's bacon. You know, it's Nashville. Going in Nashville. Pastor Nelms is probably going to talk about his smoking hot wife, even though her tits are all the way down to the freaking floor. But, you know, you know, we can go and talk about bacon. So I'll pick Eric Almirillo, um, as Rusty would like to call him, and um, as my wild card for uh, Sunday. I mean, I think it's going to be a Toyota Benefit or a Hendrick, uh, Hendrick slash Trackhouse slash RC. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a Chevy or a Toyota. Definitely ain't gonna be a Ford, um, which makes me mad since uh, my favorite driver is a Ford driver, and Fords continue to suck, which isn't good. Um, but oh well, Josh is in a hurry, so I guess the uh, sim segment ain't gonna take too long. Uh, you can go and uh, uh, let us know what's going on on your end of the bargain there in iRacing and the whole bit, and we'll have more time on Monday uh, to go over everything that. Uh, we had going on so far. I mean, it's, there isn't really much to talk about iRacing that much anyways, as I haven't really been playing all that, all too much this week, but I mean, on deck probably is, um, 
IndyCar road course racing at Daytona uh, in the Oval Series. Um, there's also um, the it's it's weird they've got it flipped this week. The fixed Oval Series racing on the road course at Daytona, and then the uh, road course open setup series is racing at Michigan. So you got your oval racing on one end and road course racing on the other end. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, my road course uh, skill in the IndyCar on iRacing is similar to Jimmy Johnson, but you know, just trying to hold on and be able to make it to the end, which uh, I'm trying to do. So I mean, I felt like I was improving though. Um, you know, I had was able to improve my lap times by two seconds from qualifying running a one minute 36 lap and then in qualifying and then uh in race uh ran one one minute 34 so a uh, big improvement there two seconds and yeah well uh still still got to catch up because the leader was running like a minute 30 uh in the any car so still still a long way to go there but um as long as i can finish, more tatiana calderon yeah. than than jimmy johnson uh well i mean i think she's an asshole crashed. but <laughs> yeah i mean but she runs like five or six seconds slower so yeah that's not let's not i know that you are an indy 500 champion now so you're anointing yourself in the same level as jimmy johson uh hey, i get one it indy 500 so uh, it's well a i know uh, the point is he has one at indianapolis he is a uh, i think at least a three or four time winner yeah, four the over there yeah so the the point is i get it you're in the same realm. I get it. Okay. Um, I know his road coach prowess. I mean, hi to my family at home is his coach. So, I mean, um, he's going to get it eventually. But, um, yeah. So, but it was funny you said that you're more like Jimmy Johnson. It's okay. On the road course. On the road course. On the road course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But he's good in a sports car. Yeah, he's he might in be driving car. in the garage. And he might do the garage 56 in the Gen 7 car. Yeah, but uh, yeah, next he, he's year. familiar in that car too. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see how Jimmy does this weekend, you know, and next year in Le Mans if he's able to do it. But yeah, that's pretty much what I think. What we do on iRacing, I think there's a, another series running the boot Watkins Glen uh, in the uh, what I forgot is the touring car series, the Honda Velocitor uh, Type R and the Honda yeah, the Type GCR, R, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So gonna run that, um, and then soon coming up uh, is the firecracker 400 uh with the e-racer gg guys uh did that last year uh dale jr was in my my heat race and in my preliminary race so um i think he's gonna enter it you know as long as he's got time as long as i've got time um i think uh, i don't know when it's gonna happen they said soon uh i think last year they ran around this time uh so we'll see we'll see what happens Gotta ask him to come on, so then I'll have you two go and do the whole huh. show, and I'll just sit in here and drink. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have Joe on too. So it's four two Dale Jr. No, fans, that's what Dale I'm saying. Jr. Yeah, and then, the two Dale yeah. Jr. fanboys get to go and interview Dale Jr. And I'll go and pepper in some stuff here and there, and I'll just be holding up the beer because I'm expecting Dale Jr. to go and drink a beer with me. Yeah, cheers <laughs> to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got some, I've got some High Rock here, his new vodka line, so we can have that oh, okay. too. Yeah, um, mix right. up. I, I mixed up uh, the. Uh, he has that recipe, the uh, smooth screwdriver, orange juice, you know, and uh, vodka and uh, some club soda. So it's actually pretty good. So um, yeah, it's good stuff. Try but, it with the sun drop though. Oh yeah, got to do that. That's the one you got to do. Yeah, do uh, some Sunny D too. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Cause Mrs. V, Mrs. V has it going oh, on. Oh yeah. Mrs. So, V's yeah. got it going on. Yeah. 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 Thanks Mrs. V. I think, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, of course, you know, uh, if I stream this weekend or any other time, you know, stream the uh, Firecracker 400 whenever it happens. If I'm able to do it, you know, of course, you can watch it on uh, Twitch TV slash Grusiller 2. Go and watch there all my streams. Uh, Indy 500 stream is up there. Probably going to have to put it on YouTube soon uh, eventually because it's going to probably go away. Uh, Let's put it eventually. on our page. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Put it on our page on YouTube, my page or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's where it's going to be on. Of course, um, you know, lead into the, the close as well, but, uh, of course, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash JB, uh, JB And then, you know, of course, got the YouTube page, which you can look at, uh, for this, which we'll have up hopefully tomorrow, or if not by Sunday, the Gripshire podcast, YouTube, go on there, like comment and subscribe and, you know, put on notifications when we get our next, uh, upload up there. Uh, and you, know, you can see all our past stuff on there. Um, see joe's interview that he's been with us i think yeah he's got three videos there up on the youtube so you know you can share that with your friends joe and show that you've been on a podcast multiple times uh you know on video form so you know always you know glad to have you on there or on here so you know um you know glad to be able to do this every week with you phil and you know talk about racing and uh you know stuff of course so um you know go and subscribe to our page on there and you know let you phil uh do the rest yeah, Joe, um, let us know where we can go and find your work uh, now that you are a, uh, you know, roving reporter at a racetrack. So you're moving up. Uh, I wish you had the credential at Pocono because then I would just like piggyback off of that. You should have a credential at Pocono, honestly. You work with a with a legit somewhat or with a legitimate um, uh, deal there. Um, they should have went and applied for you there and Dover and Richmond. And then I could just be your lackey and I'll just go and be your photographer. I'll do that. I have no problem. I, I, I understand my, I know my role, but you are a talent. You have a passion for this deal and, um, your insights are, are one of the great things that make our show roll. And, um, you know, we go long, like when the three of us go, like this should be like a live stream or something instead of doing a podcast, I think, because we could really have a bench racing discussion. We probably have to do this in the off season in between the football and all that. And we could go and have some bench racing discussions, watch an old race or something and have a live stream. But um, thanks as always, man. I know uh, racing is a part of you same way as it is for Josh and I. Um, it's always good talking to you. Where can we find your work? Where can we find you tomorrow? Because I, I think we know where you're going to be tomorrow um, working. Uh, and um, what should we be expecting in regards to your written content? Yeah, so uh, first off, it's always great to be on the show. I love coming on here. Uh, I love podcasting. And, uh, and actually, in fact, in more recent weeks, I've been dabbling. Part of the reason I wanted to get this mic was uh, possibly to see if if maybe uh, podcasting would be a, a larger role in uh, my future. But um, for now, you can find my work at beyondtheflag.com. Uh, it's a fan-sided website. Uh, write about uh, NASCAR. There's great Formula One content and some IndyCar content by some of our other writers. Uh, I usually stick to NASCAR for the most part. Cup. Uh, trying to come up with some more creative ideas for uh, Xfinity for trucks, perhaps. But unfortunately, I usually miss those races just because of work and other obligations. 
Um, I'm very, very excited. So next month, I'm going to have a piece about uh, drivers who potentially still have uh, a shot to impact the playoffs. However, I'm planning not on releasing that until we got, uh, you know, only a handful of races left just because we want to see 10 races a lot of time. So uh, that'll be next month. I recently just published a story about what's going on with Hendrick Motorsports, what's happening with their performance and their four drivers. Why have they not really shown their hand at the end of the races uh, in the past few weeks and really the past month? Uh, ever since Chase Elliott won at Dover. So you can find me there. Uh, if you're on Twitter, follow me at uh, Passero Jr. That's P-A-S-S-E-R-O-J-R. And then on top of that, I actually, I totally forgot about this account for some time, um, but I have a photography account. Now, uh, if you're a racing fan, I encourage you to check it out because I will have some more racing photos on here. But uh, I had an account, I started it up, and I feel bad because I barely ever used it past like two or three weeks um, because this was back when I was in college. But I rebranded it. It is now j.p.media underscore. Uh, because that was the only thing that was available with my initials and media in it. Uh, so I don't know if the camera is going to focus on this. No, it's not. But uh, j.p.media underscore. That's on Instagram. That is not on Twitter. That's Instagram only. Um, and so I am going to be posting some photos, uh, not just of racing. I love taking my camera out to the racetrack, but I've got uh, a lot of other photos from some traveling that I've done. Uh, so it'll be sort of a, a shared space for some of my other uh, creative work in the photography side. Uh, so you can follow me there. You can follow me on Twitter. And uh, if you're local and you're at New Egypt Speedway on Saturdays, you can find me over there. I'm usually wearing a uh, very fluorescent neon yellow vest. Uh, I'm in the infield during the races. So uh, if you see me, say hello. Let's chat. And uh, if you're going to be at Pocono next month, I will be at Pocono. A um, little bit of a different project. I'm still toying with some uh, equipment for that. But I will be at Pocono Raceway. So if you see me there, also come say hi. Um, Josh. Phil, thanks again so much for having me on the show. I love doing this. I enjoy it a lot. And uh, hopefully I'll be back soon. Oh, you will be. Uh, we rely on you. Um, Josh needs you to be in because I'm not reliable, even though I'm the host. Um, so for me, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at GripsterPod. And our YouTube page at, is at GripsterPodcast or GripsterPod. Um, the Grifter Podcast, you can find us, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Verbal, YouTube, of course, as I mentioned. Um, you can see me on the F1 Grid Talk Podcast. I do hits. They asked me to host for whatever reason, considering how unreliable I am for my own podcast. The fact that a podcast that actually has Formula One, Formula One actually posted on their page about podcasts that... Uh, you should listen to, and they talk the Grid Talk podcast. I got I got ragged on uh, social media about my pronunciation, so go fuck yourself to those people. I do a good job pronouncing names and things. I feel like I'm I'm doing my best Bob Varsha uh, in regards to um, who's a legend. God bless him. He's one of the great announcers that exists. I do my best Bob Varsha in regards to pronouncing all these things. So the fact that you're going to slag me as a guy from New Jersey, a Brooklyn born guy who's lived in New Jersey most of his life, who loves racing. And you're going to slag me 
I love racing and I love Formula One. You're going to slag me? Go fuck yourself, bitch. I, I, I've done more with Formula One than you're never you're ever going to do in your life. So go fuck yourself. I, I just had to get that out because because the fucking Avalanche lost. Um, they're down through. They're up three games to two. Uh, they'll go to Tampa Bay on um, Sunday night. So if the NASCAR race doesn't happen, I'm going to be watching a hockey game with my buddy at the V and hoping that the Avalanche take off uh, their first championship in 21 years. Um, it was a rough game. They really never had the momentum. But we'll talk about it on Monday, because I think we're going to be doing our next show uh, after that. So we'll talk about it on episode 121 of the Gripshire Podcast. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook anymore for many reasons. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm Philip G. Matthew 28 there. Uh, follow Gripshire Pod. Follow us. Um, thank you, Joe. I think the dynamic we have is probably not meant for um, podcasting. I've realized that. I've recognized that amongst multiple episodes we've done. I think it's more of a live stream thing that we need to do. And I think we'd be able to do some real work. Oh, look at that. Ellie Tonglet decided to come out of retirement again. Um the NHRA at Norwalk. It makes me it makes me sad because this is when English Town used to be around this time of the year, and now Norwalk is like um, basically been able to go and take that spot. And then like last week they had drifting, and I'm like, okay, English Town NHRA would happen. You could have Norwalk. That's good. Ugh, whatever. It's fine. Um, we'll go with that. Thank you for listening to Gripshire Podcast. It's a it's a tough time right now uh, in our country in a lot of ways. Um, take care of one another. Be nice to one another. Um, Joe brought it up earlier, but be nice to one another. Be good to one another. Um, things are brutal, but thank you for listening to GSP. We'll be back soon with another episode. We'll be talking a lot of racing, talking a lot of sports. Football is coming soon. So we're going to get into that fantasy football content real quick. I'm debating uh, possibly starting another league. So um, put that out there as a carrot. Uh, we'll see you next time for the Gripture Podcast. Take care and goodbye. So there you go. So the first thing is if you don't, you're not in a football, are you in a football or a Joe? No. Uh, okay. Not really. I, uh, I watched the Super Bowl. That's about it. Right. Racing okay. is like overpowering. Racing your life. Yeah. Pretty much. I wake up every morning and I breathe rubber, the tire rubber of that Dale Jr. tire sitting on my wall right there.